Lean in, cover the plate, pick a point in the outfield, let her rip. There are times when every kid dreams of being a hero. For Calvin Fuller, it's going to take a miracle to make his dream come true. And welcome to Media Evil, a medieval pop culture podcast, where we talk about how medieval and medieval-inspired movies, TV, and books depict the medieval world. What do they get right? What do they get wrong? And what do they tell us about how modern people see the medieval past? I'm Sarah Ifjecker, a medieval historian, and today I'm joined by Jessica Bloomkey grave once again to discuss King Arthur for kids in <laughs> uh, what will be actually the first of a two episode mini series on King Arthur for kids. What's the second one um, going to be? The second is going to be, oh, I can never remember the name of this movie. A kid who would be King. Oh yeah. I've heard of that one. Okay. Yeah. That's a fun but, little, little double yeah. series. Yeah. But today we are talking about 1995, a kid in King Arthur's court. So Jessica, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I'm sorry. I talked before you officially introduced me. <laughs> totally fine. That's that's how Blank Check does it, right? They, yes. they, they in fact force that. And Blank Check is the gold standard of professional yeah. podcasts. So. I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> We're also two friends. Okay, go ahead. You Let's keep doing our podcast. <laughs> We're the two friends. We're, we're the rival two friends. Oh, sure. Two better friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Slightly closer friends. Yeah. Get to start uh, a war. Never, we've never met in person. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But you know. Uh, so why don't you tell the listeners about yourself and about why you wanted to talk about this particular movie? I was very excited to get the text asking me to do this movie. It was in my rotation when I was a kid. I, I think most kids are like this, but I was a particularly like avid rewatcher of things. Like mm, I would just get in, and I'm still like that to some extent, but I've, I have tamped it down. So it's more manageable. This was, I've probably seen this movie 30 times, maybe 40. Some of it came back to me really quickly. I cannot believe I did. Oh, wait, well, hold on. So this movie is about a kid who gets sent back in time to kidding. Uh, to King Arthur's court. He's a bad baseball player. Yes, he is. To, to medieval times and then comes back and is a good baseball player. Which is really the kind of classic hero's journey. Sure. The, <laughs> yes, the, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Excalibur metaphor here is pretty on the nose. Oh, yeah. It's very on the nose. I groaned a little bit at the end when I saw that said Excalibur on the bat, but you know, it's okay. It was, yeah. In case you didn't get it, Sarah, um, <laughs> in case you're confused about the metaphorical it's very Excalibur, subtle. it's just called Excalibur. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe Kate Winslet was in this movie? And how beautiful oh my God, she is? And no. Daniel Craig? I gasped when I was looking at the cast list because, okay, I really thought I had seen this movie before when I was watching it. I remembered literally nothing. So <laughs> I either haven't seen it before or I just haven't seen it in 25 years and don't in fact have that good of a memory. So <laughs> right. it could be either. Yeah, But this... yeah, it has, yeah, it has Kate Winslet and it has Daniel Craig. Like it's, oh yeah. My God. And guess what? They turn in great performances they really do I have a lot yeah. of thoughts on the really widely varying levels of acting in this particular <laughs> movie but 
<laughs> yeah. So the star of the film is Thomas Ian Nicholas as Calvin Fuller. And mm. he went on to be an American pie. He otherwise was not in a ton of things that I'm familiar with. He was and maybe there's a reason. Pie. Yeah, he's a handsome young man and kind of charismatic, but the acting wasn't there. And I do listen, no. we can lay a lot of this at the at the feet of the script. It was, it was not a strong script. No. Uh, but and he's not a very well-developed character in a lot of ways in particular. Truly, one of my notes is like, do either of these people have person? Like, is this all kids movies that none of them have personalities? Or is this just like me? Or like, is it just this movie? Or is this me realizing when you're 10, which is how old I would have been when this came right. out? it's a boy and a girl and they like make eyes at each other and you're like perfect they're meant to be together and now obviously the 30s like i don't know maybe like are, is that what relationships are based on like they don't talk <laughs> they play no. the arrow and he compares not seeing his family for like 18 months or for, for like 20 minutes to her mother dying which was not a great yep. moment <laughs> Anyway, relatable. I, like I, might be. Relatable. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I'm going through something very similar at present. Um, I haven't seen my mom in five minutes and I miss her terribly. It's really hard. It's just very like she's dead. It's exactly like she's dead. I don't have object permits. So if somebody's not in front of me, they might as so well yeah. be dead. It's a serious Yeah. Condition. We also have uh, Art Malik as Lord Velasco, who is our villain, who... Um, has been in a lot of things that I mostly have not seen, but I do need to note that he is in Sex in the City too. Really? Um, yeah. I know him from True Lies, which was another okay. obsessive movie watching thing. Okay. Great yeah. Great villain. Love okay. him playing a literal terrorist here as he did True. in True Lies because he does like ethnic ambiguity that Hollywood <laughs> in the 90s is like terrorist, I guess. Um, yeah, and so he's like Pakistani British, and a li- I'm a little like, oh, okay, so the like only yeah, the like, only brown not Although, white or white passing person. Is. I was gonna say, did you know that the one who plays Princess Katie is half Mexican? Yes, I saw that. So yeah, I originally <laughs> I so had excited. down in my notes only non-white actor, and now that I switched it to only non-white or white passing <laughs> actor. Uh, and I jumped on it. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, okay, so our, our like the person who has the darkest skin in the film certainly <laughs> is like, ah, yes, this is a person who will be the villain. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. But like, listen, at least, at least it was implicit racism, yeah. not explicit racism, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he also is in a movie that I have discovered solely through like looking to see if I'd ever seen him in anything. That uh-huh. is a comedy called Halal Daddy which I now desperately need to see. Whoa. <laughs> that, I don't know what is an appropriate reaction for me to have at that title. <laughs> yeah. So, and from what I can understand is that I think, I think he is the father and the plot seems to be that his son moves to somewhere that is not immediately near where his parents live and then his dad shows up and decides that he wants to I think with his son's help turn the local butcher shop into a halal butcher oh that's fun yeah it sounds maybe kind of charming I don't know it could be awful but maybe it's good all right I'm into it yeah and I think they're in like Dublin or something okay I'm here for an Irish fish out of water comedy 
Yeah. Katie also, Paloma Paloma Baeza, the other princess, uh, she also did not have an extensive career. No, she didn't. And bless her heart. Very pretty, beautiful, expressive eyes. Yes. uh, Yeah. I hope she found a career she's happy with. Mm -hmm. She's beautiful again can't be clear yep. enough i'm just gonna object by the shit for beautiful girl. oh yeah no she's stunning <laughs> you know and i will also say like they really didn't give her a lot to, to i mean like no. she's a major character but there's not she doesn't really have a lot of a personality no our side characters definitely you know what i don't know i was gonna say i think our side characters had more depth which i think is probably inarguable yeah. but i was gonna say maybe they're just performed much better yeah i mean it's my thing that like i'm not sure <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure actually that like Kate Winslet's character, Sarah, or uh, Master Kane, who is Daniel Craig, I'm not sure they're actually well developed. I think they're just giving really great performances Uh because it's like early career Kate Winslet and Daniel Craig. And they did like their own background. I I bet the two of them got to, I bet they got drunk and like definitely had an affair throughout the course of this and were like, I hope so. We are in a kids' movie. We are both too good for this. Oh, Let's yeah. elevate it. Yes. That is my and, call for And this. they do. They do. I hope there's still the one other, Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> the one other thing that I did want to say about the cast is that I do find it charming that it is one of the rare situations in which the female love interest is actually older than uh, the uh-huh. guy. Yeah, that she's like five, six years older than him. She's that much older? Or so that, sorry, that Katie, yeah, that Katie is older, older than, than huh, I didn't, uh, Calvin. Was that really obvious? Should I have picked that up? Because I did not. No, I okay. did not pick that up watching. I okay. noticed, I happened to notice it, to notice it because I, because I noticed his age, because I was like, for some reason it didn't make, it didn't like track to me that he obviously is older than I am. And I'm like, oh, I guess he is. Yeah. How interesting. Okay. And then I, because I noticed his age, I then also happened to notice her age. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like she and Kate Winslet are actually the same age. Oh, you know what I saw? I think she's like a couple months older than Kate Winslet, which is fun. Yeah. Boy, yeah. Oh boy, Kate Winslet. I watched uh, the I watched this twice. The first time was in Wisconsin after I'd been at Renaissance Fair all day with my best friend from college. Um, and it was about 11 by the time we start, we were like, you know what we need to watch right now is Kid in King Arthur's Court. Um, and the revelation that Kate Winslet and Daniel Craig were in this movie really, really bowled us over. It was an exciting moment for us. <laughs> it was I just had like dual gasps uh, as I was watching the credits. I'm like, oh, Kate Winslet is in this? And then 30 seconds later, Daniel Craig is in this? Oh, it's so wild. So yeah. wild. I guess we see Merlin first, right? And he just kind of waves and he's like, hey. Oh, and that really top, here. top drawer special effect. <laughs> like a hologram Berlin in a well (laughs) (laughs) oh yes um yeah he uh, doesn't do much in this movie and I don't think I quite understood the back half of this movie I feel like I got lost in a plot even though it's very simple what the hell was going on with Merlin so not much, honestly, for most of the okay, movie. Okay, so I didn't miss something? No, that he, so at the beginning, so he's at the beginning, right? It's indicated that it's because of him that he's the one who sets things in motion and brings Calvin back. At some point, Calvin meets him in his well hologram. And he's like, I brought you back to save Camelot. And Calvin's hmm. like, what? Why did he 
saying, who did he think he, because they did everybody's favorite trope, like, you boy, move so I can see my great warrior who's behind you. And he's like, sorry, it's just me. Like, who was he going for? And why, where, it was just... I like, don't I think it was it. a specific person. I think it was just that like he did this spell and the spell was like, this will bring the faded hero. And oh. I don't think like, I don't think there was a specific person he had in mind. It was just like the faded person will be brought by my doing this. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. I'm here. I'm back. I'm in. <laughs> so that he is apparently it. I mean, either Merlin fucked up and it just worked out or right. Calvin is the fated person. I think it's arguably ambiguous. But what did Calvin do that nobody else could have done? Because really the fact that he fell in love with the one princess is immaterial because they don't end yeah. up together. So that doesn't change it. I guess she kind of well, brought, or maybe brought they the, do. Da- the king back or maybe they do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wait, do you think she, okay. Is that her or is that her like great, 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 whatever granddaughter? Or is it just a coincidence that it's like girl who looks just like him at the very end? I, I was assuming that like 30 seconds later, Arthur and Katie were like, actually us too. And then he's just like, I was going to retire anyway, like leave Sarah and Kane to take over. Wow, you did a lot of work there for them. Was Arthur there? Did they show yeah, that we the see end? at the end. Yeah, oh, that, that like then. Katie hugs him, and then we see Arthur is like sitting on a bench and he's whittling with the Swiss Army knife. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That okay. he gave him in the previous scene. I might have. So, yes, I'm meeting this movie well over not halfway. Attention. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, I, I'm, I'm fully meeting. I understand that I am meeting yeah. this movie well over halfway and filling in a lot of details. Mm-hmm. They needed like one more pass, if not four. <laughs> On this right, right. But you know, but I guess they were like, this is a surprise reveal that actually they're there. And I guess maybe like they're but like what happens if like they're there and then like the two of them break up and then Arthur is like, actually, I don't want to live in like the year 1995 in Rosita. Truly, even when I was in high school, I would get mad when like a love story ended with like two teenagers being together because I'm like, right. Even when I was 17, I was like, there is nobody here that I'm planning on being with forever. People are nerds. Like, I hate this. I I, I just I just think it's so funny when those end that way. Yeah, it's like it's like you most people do not end up with the person that you had a crush on when you're like 15. (laughs) Right. I mean, I guess for good reason. Some. Uh, Maybe I'm just too jaded. I mean, I'm also jaded. But then again, I'm. Realistic and deeply (laughs) jaded about relationships. So honestly, fair. Um, (laughs) And low key, same. (laughs) So yeah, I find that weird. And I'm also just like, whenever we have these like time travel things where then somebody stays forever, I'm like, sir, you do not have a social security number. Oh, truly. I, the holes in the plot, I know are like silly to lock in on. But just genuinely the idea of some actually Outlander is one of those shows that like at the root of everything, I'm like, really, you're willing to leave your entire everything to go to another like it's like it gives me the to be honest, like it does not like it's not moving to a new city where you're right or even a new country, which is already a lot. It's you don't know anybody and. 
you don't know the country and you don't know the time period. And like, what's your tummy going to do about all that? That's what I'm concerned about. And you very possibly can never go back that if I married somebody in Spain and moved there, I could still occasionally see my parents again. Sure. Or if things don't work out, <laughs> could you know, come back. You can leave. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe this is really showing my underlying fear of commitment. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm like, what? Go make a huge sacrifice for someone you love. What? <laughs> yeah, at this point, I'm like, I'm definitely, I cannot imagine ever meeting anybody that I'm committed enough to, to like travel to a different time to be with them. <laughs> I do not believe in it. Absolutely not. <laughs> so what I do, however, find deeply relatable is that Calvin, as far as I can tell, so he's on this baseball team, but he's like aggressively bad at baseball. Uh-huh. And I connect with this because I played soccer for like two years for some reason in middle school, despite being intensely bad at soccer. And in fact, I would argue so bad at soccer that I actually, I think, lost friends. Wow. That Um, I think the people on my team who were jerks actively disliked me because I was on their team and bad. Yeah. Yeah. Kids are assholes. So that really does line up with things. I'm sorry. I had a rough time in middle school. Sounds like uh, it sounds like a difficult (laughs) time for you. Um, I, on the other hand, was actually pretty athletic, but so widely disliked that I still wasn't picked for anybody's (laughs) team. Does that make you feel better or worse? Or just sadder? I mean, it's always good if you're joined to be roundly disliked. It's always good to have skills. And I didn't have skills. Just athletics were not one of them. It was that I was like roundly disliked, but occasionally somebody would agree to be in my group for a group project because they could get me to do all the work. Same. High five. Good for us. We just. We were really cool. Mm, we're really cool, cool look, school and look where we are today. now. Do they have their own <laughs> podcast? Those bullies? No. They don't. And probably everybody has a podcast now. Oh, they absolutely <laughs> do. Uh, <laughs> but it's probably not as good. No, absolutely not. They're probably not a doctor. That's for fucking sure. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So he is like being atrocious at sports and his team all hates him and his parents are disappointed in him and his boutique. <laughs> it's just like everything is amazing. I, oh God, I will say particularly the thing that bums everybody out is that he didn't even swing. So that is like our launching point is he's, and, and truly I do not see that like literally his hero's journey was literally getting better at baseball, not being like (laughs) braver. Literally at one point, he just Mm -hmm. practiced enough that he became better at baseball. That is our goal. That's what we hit. Right. Or arguably, I guess, having some self-confidence because maybe it's not the real reason he didn't swing was because he didn't have confidence in himself. Mm, Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So maybe that's his arc is because he's like, I saved a kingdom. I can swing at a baseball. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That baseball can't hurt him. He he head off a dummy or something. Yeah, he kicked Lord Velasco in the nuts. Yeah, classic <laughs> 1990s shenanigans. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so he goes back in time. He goes down this weird tunnel and uh, shows up and lands on the head of the Black Knight, basically, thereby managing to like get away from, like get him, at, what is it? He's got like, that he's stolen like this like chest of jewels or whatever, and he manages to get it back. Yeah, right? Who's, yes. who's was the chest of jewels and he's the kings it. the kings and it was stolen by the guy 
The Black yes. Knight. The, by the Black Knight, yes. Okay. So yes, the Black Knight has stolen the royal money box. He falls upon him in, you know, very like Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep, yep, yep. Manages to, yeah, get the money box. But immediately then they start chasing him. It is ambiguous at every stage if they are chasing him because they want to kill him or because they want to reward him. And it is ambiguous both to Calvin and to me, the audience. Yes. Um, I was confused why this kid was constantly being chased. He did not seem to be a major threat to anybody in particular, but was constantly being chased. And our like our main villain gentleman, he does not care for Calvin. No. And it's kind of out of nowhere that he's just like, this kid is bad news. And I'm like, why do you care? Truly, in my notes, I said that this movie could be written by a bot because everything is so like, it's just an outline that they just fill it in. Like the villain is mad at the main character. Why? Who who cares? That's he just hates point. him. He, he just, just hates knows. him so we can move. The- How come these two kids are in love? Uh, it doesn't matter. They're two adorable, sort of the same age kids. Like, yeah, that's all you fall, need. They'll fall in love. That's what they do. There um, aren't any other children. Okay. <laughs> Truly, I think the reason I became a writer is because I, at a probably too young an age, I was like, wait, is the bad guy just bad for no specific? Like, does he not have goals or is he, are people yeah. bad to be bad? And I didn't yeah. care about at all. It's kind of vague. I mean, my assumption, which again, I'm meeting the movie well over halfway. My assumption, which I don't think they ever actually say, is that a lot of this, you know, stealing from the poor, et cetera, that a lot of that is actually just going into Belasco's own pockets. Gotcha. Okay. I assume. I assume that's what he's getting out of this. I assume that he is like embezzling money, essentially. Right. No, no, no. That's for sure. But I don't know why he thinks Calvin has anything to do with anything. Like, I get, Daddy, we actually aren't going to bark right now. I'm so sorry. She wouldn't be the first. So she's better about not barking, but she replaces it by like just different sounds. I don't know if you can hear. She'll just walk around the house like, because the kind of stuffles. Yeah. Because she like has that urge to bark, but it's like, I know uh-huh. I can't. Oh, Opie does not bark like generally, but she does bark if there's like, you know, somebody who has the nerve to deliver the mail or something like that. Oh, those jerks. You know, how dare they? Mm. And she did once still in the, in the Little Mermaid episode, she did delightfully write, as I was saying, like her voice in reference to, you know, the Little Mermaid, yeah. obviously she started barking and it was very charming. <laughs> That's very cute of her. Very good. Hey, Daddy, why don't you come over here? Hi, Daddy. What a You could be an honorary producer. Daddy, come here. Do whatever you want. I don't care. Immediately, Belasco challenges this actual child and stranger to a duel. So, okay, am I overthinking this or am I actually dumb? Like, what the hell is going on here? Why is he... Why it does is, he perceive I don't this know. child as a threat? I don't know. It makes no sense. No, like it, it really doesn't. It's that, I mean, it's like he's never heard, I guess, of a kind of Occam's razor. The simplest explanation <laughs> is probably true, uh-huh. which is actually a medieval concept and actually one that I believe the dating would work for the setting that this movie aesthetically is, if not the setting it is technically dated to. 
I'll talk about that more later. Yikes. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, truly all of the words that you just said just combined in my head and exploded. It's, it's so the, the short version <laughs> is basically that, okay, so if there was a historical King Arthur, he would be in about the sixth century. And it says in various things, including in the book on which this is based, this is based on a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court. Mm-hmm. Loosely, very loosely from my reading of the Wikipedia summary, I did not have time to read the book. Sorry, me neither. <laughs> Totally fine. But as I said, I read the Wikipedia summary. Uh, it is a loose adaptation, but that also says, okay, sixth century. Nothing about this is sixth century okay. at all, aesthetically. I mean, aesthetically, it's in part kind of vague Renfair, but to the extent that it can be traced to a historical era, I would say it fits better in the like 14th, 15th century, mm-hmm. which I do think is a valid choice for Arthurian adaptations because that's the period where Arthurian legend is most popular. And a, like medieval Arthurian legends also kind of assume that it's basically the kind of fantasy 14th century. Oh, I love that. Like okay, they don't cool. care about making it seem like the sixth. Like it seems nothing like the sixth. Like if you actually read like Lamort d'Arthur, it does not seem like that's not the sixth century. Yeah, I um I read the Once and Future King a few years ago. Oh, careful, Dottie. There's a microphone there. Years ago, uh, but I didn't read Lamort d'Arthur, so that's I don't have a ton of like. Arthurian knowledge, unfortunately. Yeah. So I'll just say, yeah, the short version is just that basically all like most of what we think of when we think of King Arthur is uh, like romances that were written in about the 12th to 15th century. Gotcha. And, and they I wrote say, them as like, contemporary romances yeah. or they just sort of wrote them without a general, like a fairy tale. Yeah. They, they kind of, of yeah, time. they like, like they just in general, like people in the Middle Ages just weren't really interested in having things being like realistically set in the historical era that they're supposed to be set in. Like if you look at medieval art, it's like it's Arthur, it's the Bible. Who gives a shit? They're all dressed like whatever period it is when the thing is being made. Yeah, it's true. And like, I, <laughs> I mean, they want to do anything they can to get out of their particular period, which is profoundly unpleasant. <laughs> I mean, or that actually they love their period and they want to bring everything else into it. Oh, <laughs> They're just like King David, <laughs> King David, King Arthur, the Virgin Mary. You're all in the 14th century. Yes. <laughs> Put on a corset. <laughs> so it's like we're, we're all having a grand old time yeah. here. So have you, this is a sidebar. Have you ever been to the Bristol Ren Fair? I haven't, no. Okay, you absolutely need to come up next summer then. Awesome. Um, it is so fun. So, so fun. Okay. Yeah. It's been a I, long time actually since I've been to a Ren Fair. It's only about an hour north of where I live. So I am now going to go twice a year for the rest of my life. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. And I know lots of excellent people in Chicago. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, we're going to have a meetup. (gasps) Yes. Renfair meetup. Renfair meetup. Awesome. Okay. All right. Back to this podcast. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, he he does not understand the concept of Occam's Racer essentially is where we started with this. And he's like, if this kid happened to accidentally defeat the Black Knight, clearly it's because he's here because he wants to bring me down personally. Right. Right. He's a raging narcissist. Is that what you're telling me? Uh, Yeah. Everything's about me. Everyone's thinking about me. Like my dude, nobody knows your name. (laughs) <laughs> I don't even know his... weird ponytail and the skunk stripes but other than that you don't yeah. get an impression <laughs> Calvin doesn't even know his name like he meets him and five minutes later he's like Lord Elastic that was a pretty funny bit which was pretty um, funny and I will give him that <laughs> yeah 
yeah. end of credit. But yeah, so they, they have a duel and Kelvin chooses the weapons for the duel. And the weapons are that he like somehow hooks up his Walkman to a hunting, to like a hunting horn. <laughs> It, with the the world's longest earbuds that he yes. puts one earbud on each side of the hall. Yes. <laughs> Had to be 10 feet apart and then plays the most generic rock and roll music. Because they clearly I, did not actually like get the licensing for anything. Absolutely not. And I guess whatever he said, rock of what, something, Mikey recognized it. I guess it's like a Clash album or something like that. So he's like, oh, I okay. wonder if they're going to like do that but it was just like it's like oh yeah rock music yeah the the rock music the rock (laughs) and And this him recovered from this like everybody was like oh i guess he's a good guy let's go be friends with the king now and everyone's like no follow-up questions vis-a-vis <laughs> the sound that just magically appeared to them. Yeah, They're like, okay, we're fine. let's all move on with our day. Normally, don't mind if I do. It Great. was wild. Wild. Yeah. Yeah, then they're just like, cool. But again, I guess the assumption is that like Merlin was around recently and was like accepted as like the core uh, wizard. Sure. And so it's just like maybe they're like, oh, cool, new Merlin. Was magic like an assumed fact of life in medieval medieval times? Like, I feel like I was just listening to a thing on the Salem witch trials and they just did a lot of like spectral evidence and things like that and just assumed that like magic was something real. Well, it was more the devil. Is that, was that the case in, in medieval times where they would, was magic assumed to exist? I would say people at least were, were sort of open to the possibility, certainly that magic or like the acts of the devil were real. And there certainly were like a lot of stories circulating about that. Uh, Merlin actually, according to some stories is uh, the like son of a demon, um, which is fun. Yeah. Um, (laughs) That is fun. That's a fun layer. Yeah. But yeah, so, you know, they ha- and, and then it's also like there's the real Middle Ages and then there's also Arthurian legend and Arthurian legend, like magic is absolutely just like taken for granted as a real thing. Mm-hmm. So in the real Middle Ages, like some people would probably have believed in these things as being real and some people would have been like, this is nonsense, essentially. Gotcha, gotcha. So, Thank you. But, you know, yeah. But since we were, we're Arthurian, I'm happy of saying like, yeah, everybody just buy it. Just please, magic yeah. is fine. Got it. Like that's that's fine with me. Nobody asked for a follow up or no. <laughs> no, they're like enough, enough of that. Yeah, and also Arthur is just like cool. You're my buddy, Calvin of Reseda, and I'm gonna have you train as a knight. Thumbs up. Yep. Yeah. Why? Well, I mean, uh, Katie, Princess Katie, like. I fucks him immediately. Oh my god, she does. It's like her eyes pop out of her head. It is so believable. (laughs) Um, But I think that's it. I think the dad is like, oh, this guy, (laughs) my daughter wants to keep going around. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He meanwhile does the classic trick of uh, not being into his boar snout with haggis, which he then uh, feeds to the dog. And there are some delightful Irish wolfhounds that just stroll around oh, this court. And I'm very on board. Strong do- dog game for sure. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Um, and I, I grew up with an Irish wolfhound. Oh, so. yeah. Daddy arguably kind of looks like people ask if she's an Irish wolfhound all the time. I she's, could see yeah. her having like some wolfhound in her. Yeah. It's, DNA test is inconclusive. So who knows? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> she's just a mutt. 
have you ever had any like pig snouts or are you an adventurer? Like, I know you're a, a good cook. Are you an adventurous eater? Yeah, I'll, I'll eat pretty much. I'll try pretty much anything at least once. I've had a lot of organ meat. I never actually had the opportunity to have a, a pig snout or boar's head. I, I would try it if offered. Yeah, I would too. I, I also really genuinely want to try haggis because I do. Oh, yeah. I like organ meat. I like yeah. liver a whole lot. I sometimes do at least. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I had some amazing, I think it was, I had, okay. I had, I had some amazing intestine in Turkey and I had some amazing spleen in Palermo this summer. Ooh, I really have only had intestine at like Korean barbecue, but I really like it. Yeah, they do this thing that's like an Istanbul street food thing where they like chop it up very finely and mix it with a bunch of spices and then serve it like in a sandwich. Oh, I really love that. Yeah, that sounds very good. I am hungry. Yeah, (laughs) we should hurry up so I can make it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so yeah, so he's going to train to be a knight. He, of course, initially lacks self-confidence, just like in baseball. Uh, It's pretty much the same. Yep. Have we? Um, gotten to the part where he's jousting or are we not there yet i think we are i think uh, well there's the, there is the bit well okay there's i think he hasn't he's done like the jousting the fake jousting i think this is oh, like yeah. where he does the fake jousting with the dummy and is very bad at it okay because i did want to point something out and I, I so i'm a horse but i work with horses for a living i am not a professional jouster but I do not believe any part of joust because he says, lean in, protect your steed. And I don't know what he's talking about. And I was curious. Hmm. I mean, I think it is supposed to be, I mean, I know it is supposed to be a, like a parallel to, you know, lean into the, like protect the base, and, right. like the plate. And all, like, I know, I understand that, but like, protect it's just like baseball. Justin is just like baseball. But truly, like, protect your steed. I was like, how? It certainly did not, I don't don't actually know anything about the kind of physicality of how jousting works. I mean, it's, they aim for the knight. They're not, like, the horses are like a byproduct. They don't, they're not aiming to hurt your horse usually. No. like, dirty play. So I don't know what. I mean, they're, I mean, they actively, in fact, don't want to hurt your horse. Because I believe in some tournaments, you could potentially, like, win the horse off somebody. Oh, I didn't know that. And horses are expensive, as Girl, I'm sure you know. I have been, if anybody here lives in the greater, like in a hundred miles of Chicago and is selling a horse, please let Sarah know and she'll let me know. I need to buy yes. a horse. I will pass on all horse related information. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, no, horses, like horses are expensive and horses were also expensive in the middle ages. Like you don't, you don't want to hurt a good horse. And good horses are hard to find, especially like ones that are easy to keep and are like a horse is an extraordinarily valuable thing anyway, let alone mm-hmm. when it was also your primary mode of transportation right and like extremely well trained like a lot of training goes into having a horse that you can joust with yes yeah it's it's a ton of work and like stealing somebody's horse off them was I mean and still up and through like wild west times it is a big fucking deal like you don't yeah yeah it's it's a thing anyway yeah. yeah so no nobody nobody wants to hurt the horses right 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 they're the good guys like that's here. not that's not the goal yeah exactly protect We're your steed okay yeah. i'll hold my shield forward what do you it's yeah it's 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 clearly it kind of works better in baseball i think than it does <laughs> yeah in yeah 
jesting. It, it falls apart uh, if you look too closely. And he and Katie are continuing it to kind of make eyes at each other. Katie mm-hmm. is training as well. This is where we have the great conversation where he says that me having been away from my parents for 17 minutes is exactly uh, the same as your mom being dead. The way he says, I really miss them. It's like, which I mean, I get it. He's a kid. He's scared. But like, I'm really afraid I'm never going to see them again is different from I really miss them. I can't miss them that much. It's like, haven't you ever been to camp? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ever had a babysitter, sir? <laughs> oh boy. Helicopter parents, am I right? Right. So Katie also then takes him through this secret passage. And I find it hilarious. It just casually, like what, every room in the castle every a secret passage. I mean, is that not how all medieval castles were? They all had passages winding through them? According to most mysteries I've read, they do. I feel like, yeah, things like really exaggerate the amount of secret passages. But it's also like, not saying that there weren't any secret passages, but like the secret passage is like, oh, well, it's got a door to my room. It's got a door to your room. It's like, mm-hmm. it's got a door to the spare bedroom. Mm-hmm. And then like, then it goes to, you know, Merlin's old chambers. It's like the secret passage, like barely even seems like a secret passage. It seems like just like a like weird hallway. Yep. I think that's all. It, it's like a hallway with inconvenient doors. It's not secret. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a main arterial route through the house. Like they can't, right. they can't close that off. It's not secret. Right. <laughs> but you know, so he goes and I guess this is when he first gets his chance to chat with Merlin, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That... This is when we have that very, very, very good line. Move child. So I can see my great warrior. And he's like, oh, I am the warrior. Like genuinely a robot might have written this movie it's just every joke is recycled from something else there is no original content in this movie whatsoever right and he also talks about a spell and he's like i did half a quart of pig vomit and two monkey bladders and he's like or was it supposed to be like a quart of monkey bladders and two quarts of pig whatever it is humor because so it is ambiguous technically about whether he in fact fucked up the spell Sounds like he a hundred percent did. Yeah. Oy, oy, oy. Gross. Yeah. So, but yeah, tells him like, well, you're the one I brought. So you've got to stop Velasco and save Camelot. And otherwise you won't get to go home and see your parents. Sorry, kid. <laughs> Would either sixth or like 14th or whatever century England have access to monkey innards? Hmm. That's a good question. I would say not easily. Especially when we're talking about later, I mean they they could get a monkey. I mean, like like they know monkeys exist and have been to places that have okay. monkeys. And I think actually the like the Tower Menagerie, I think my like the Tower of London, like actually mm. had like a menagerie. And I think at some point they, I think at some at varying points they had monkeys. When does the Tower of London date back to? I think maybe so the, the like the what I'm thinking about is like the menagerie is like around the 14th century. Um, okay. although the actual kind of like space is earlier. I don't I don't remember the Ooh. exact date. Maybe 12th. I've never century. heard of that. I'm gonna have to look that up. It sounds interesting. Yeah. So, so yeah. So there are like royal menageries that have a, what would be considered like exotic pets. Mm-hmm. But that's like like two monkey bladders. Like a monkey only has one bladder. I assume, and presumably needs it. So that's like a lot of monkeys that. Oh yeah, this is, a, this is a monkey reign of destruction that we're looking at. Yeah, here. yeah. So it is kind of an odd. The pigs vomit is easy to come by, but yeah, the monkey bladders. Pigs I'm vomit. I'm a little concerned about pigs can how vomit. Many monkeys right, are getting killed. 
Oh, I assume so. I actually have never thought about it. I just assume all animals can vomit. Uh, horses can't vomit, which is just really I know because that's uh, why they sometimes die if they eat if they eat something bad they just can't huh. they can't pass it and it's called colicking but now i want to know if pigs can vomit pig vomit and it's a song by paul giamatti what am i supposed to do now <laughs> i, I did not know hell? paul giamatti had songs okay so i'm just learning a lot here hole right now i just we're gonna have to leave this for another day yeah we'll we'll leave the pig vomit aside <laughs> so continues his training with uh with daniel craig daniel craig by the way has like a hell of a bowl cut such a head of hair and such a baby face and my as my husband pointed out he's oh so my, he literally has acne like he's such a teeny tiny baby boy i, I looked at him and i'm like that's daniel craig and also was like that's kate winslet there's so little he's like the definition of a mop top in this like yeah he just literally looks like somebody plopped him up right up there i know oh bless Aww. his heart Mm. yeah we've learned about the tournament that kate that not katie sarah sarah mm. the, i should remember this this is my name yes um, <laughs> that she has refused all suitors and that therefore that means that on her 21st birthday she will have to uh, basically marry whoever wins this tournament is that base it, it, has that ever happened in reality, no, but it is a trope in medieval literature. Okay. So like present, uh, contemporary. Yeah, like literature, like literature from the Middle Ages Thank has this as that. a trope. But, oh, interesting. Yeah, but not in real life because like, I mean, like Velasco says, like, you don't want to leave the fate of Camelot in the hands of a tournament. And it's like, and like that's actually a good point. Like, yeah. it's, even if you're thinking about just a marriage alliance, much less like this person is going to be the next king, uh-huh. you don't want it to just be whatever guy knocks more guys off a horse. That's ridiculous. Uh, I don't know. I think uh, <laughs> the 21st century has really proved that all athletes are excellent human beings and we should trust them implicitly. So I'm not sure what uh, you're confused about. <laughs> I mean, on the other hand, the 21st century has maybe proven that like democracy also isn't a great way to choose a president oh, to choose boy. a war. So. <laughs> so terrible everything america yay can we talk about him uh and his fun jousting physical bit that he yes so they put him on a horse like literally he's walking over on this horse and he's with katie and he's like huh riding a horse isn't so hard after all so this is his first time on a horse um, and so they give him a little, a little lance and tell him to mm-hmm. do whatever. And he runs, he misses the thing he's supposed to hit. And now this is the confusing part for me. The lance sticks into a tree. <laughs> the horse runs out from under him. But somehow the saddle remains he's, attached to his legs. He super glued it. You see him right before that. He pulled out this like little tube of, I guess, like super glue oh my God, and I super glued the lamps to his hand and like his butt to the saddle. Oh my, I completely <laughs> forgot about that. I was like, this is dangerous. <laughs> oh boy. His little magical bag of holding is oh my God. so funny. He keeps so much in there that is... This bag this is magical. Bag. It is literally <laughs> a Mary Poppins bag. It ha- okay, what yeah. do you pull out of there? The rollerblades. The rollerblades. So he has 
an entire set of roller of roller blades in this backpack. He's got the Walkman. He's got the super glue. He's got a Swiss army knife. He's mm-hmm. got gum. Mm-hmm. He's got like, I, I mean, honestly, the only legitimate explanation for something that happens later is that he might have a couple of tomatoes in there. But yes, we're going to talk about the tim- oh, yeah, talk- oh, no 14 year old kid leaves the house without two ripe tomatoes. Yep. I- I'm going to talk about the tomatoes. Okay. Uh, oh, uh, and eventually, like, spoiler for later, he pulls Excalibur out of his backpack. So <laughs> is the bag magic, is what I am asking you now. In I the think reality it of has the movie, to be. Magic, right? But he doesn't acknowledge that it's magic. No. Is he especially surprised that he can pull Excalibur out of it? No. He's like, I put this in there this morning in case we needed it. It's magic. Yeah. Or Excalibur is much smaller than we thought it was. (laughs) Excalibur is just like a little like letter opener. Yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, it's it's like this bag. The only explanation is that this backpack is magical. It's, it's ma- ridiculous. It's fully magical and he is in on the magic. Like he's not Yeah. Yeah. Hey, boy, yeah. Boy. No, it's utterly bizarre. The other moment that I wanted to note in Calvin's training is that at some point Calvin is attempting to learn archery and like probably actually murders a cat. Yeah, the uh, the cat getting murdered with an arrow is a fun trope that we hear a lot. <laughs> right? See, anytime any weapon like gets fired off screen and anything made pre like two thousand two, there's like a <laughs> yowl in the distance, Always. which is like clearly like the same stock sound effect in every movie. And uh, which it must have been just like some weird eighty year old dude who made that sound in the first in like oh, yeah. fourteen, and we've been yeah. using that ever since. <laughs> And I do need to share that my dog was extremely alarmed and upset at the sound of this cat in distress. Oh. My cat did not give a fuck. Honestly, that tracks for both types of animals. Right? They really right? are fulfilling stereotypes for us today. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and it's great because like the dog is also like, I find it very hilarious and charming that the dog is very upset when we see cats outside because she doesn't think cats should be outside. Oh my god! Is she a tattletale? Well, she's she just like she looks back at me and like looks at the cat and keeps like looking back between me and the cat. She's like, you gotta you gotta get it. It's not supposed to be out here. I think your dog is snitching. I don't think she's worried. I think she's like, mom, they're breaking the rules. Come stop. (laughs) I mean, she also the cat once got out and she uh, helped me herd the cat. Back inside, heart. She is amazing. Great dog. Oh my god. Two of her horses got out yesterday, and by the time I got there, one of the ponies was just in a field rolling her little heart out. And I was Aww. like, uh-huh, maybe she can stay there. Anyway. <laughs> Katie and Calvin continue to bond. And by bond, yeah, by bond, I mean that he, like, sneak attack kisses her, which I'm not here for, kid. Mm-mm, didn't like it. Also, like, bond, is, like, they're in physical proximity a lot. They don't yes. talk that much. No, she complains about the food and then makes her a cheeseburger. Yeah. Which again, I will talk more about. Okay. Uh, so. So he judges any, her family's food. Which is rude. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
Also, I, I want to be like, in addition to the fact that this kid isn't like an especially great actor, there is no element. And I don't know if I need to blame the script or the acting. There's no element of, oh, my God, I am in medieval England. This is crazy. You're a princess. That's a dude. Yeah. And a well, it's everybody's very blase about both yeah. being back in time and having a time traveler back with them. He is very weirdly chill. Like the thing, in fact, that he's like perhaps like the most surprised about is that he's like, You're King Arthur. Like, where's your round table? And he's like, Her, my what? And he, like, I guess, like, invents the round table and that's like the breakfast table now. I mean, that is very much the idea of uh, Michael J. Fox inventing rock and roll music. Like, mm. it's the same idea. It's, it's, yeah. it's mediocre white guys invented everything important in Obviously. the world. Obviously. Just by going back in time and having actually were so mediocre that they didn't even really invent it. They just had it having been like invented already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Cool. Cool history. Yeah. We at some point in here learn also that Sarah and Kane are into each other, which I absolutely predicted solely on the grounds that they're the only two people I've ever heard of. Obviously. And they're like the two <laughs> other good looking people. It's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Yes. Their kiss was adorable. I have to imagine sitting side saddle and kissing somebody over your right shoulder has to be a spine crackingly difficult <laughs> task to do. Like it, she was twisted in half, that poor girl. But still, not, not to mention that, like, okay, so I'm coming at this from I actually have never ridden a horse before. Really? Yeah. That's and exciting. yeah. And so I, and I would ride a horse, but I also simultaneously, I'm like, this is a very large creature mm-hmm. that could at any point move and she would very likely be hurt very badly if you fall off the horse Mm -hmm. I don't think I would want to take the risk of doing something like kissing somebody while on a horse as opposed to perhaps we should both get down from our horses and kiss (laughs) I have never kissed anybody on horseback because I've never dated anybody who knows how to ride and no, I do not think I would like to kiss. I mean, maybe for like a photo op, but not as like right. a course of action. It w- Because the thing is also like horses, while they're herd animals and they don't like to be alone, if they get too physically close together, they can be assholes to each other. Yeah. And so because they're two horses. And, and again, these are things like, you know, your horse, you know, in this mm-hmm. time, they would have known if their horses yeah. like would react like, to something like that. Our horses can handle us kissing. Right. But still like a bird can fly out of a tree at any moment and they just go ham and and you're gone. And yeah. I would I would love to try to ride a side saddle. I don't know that I could do it. It seems mm-hmm. impossible. Um, but I am dying to try someday. And it, I mean, it really is something that was like invented so that you could ride a horse while wearing a dress, right? Like that is the only point. Like that uh, is the point of it. I mean, more specifically, it's so you don't straddle the horse. You can straddle a okay. horse in a dress. Yeah, it, it it was just considered very improper for women right, to straddle right. something, so they yeah. had to sit sideways, which was incredibly dangerous and incredibly bad for their backs. And yeah, I think pretty. Yeah. I have to assume terrible for the horse because they're mm-hmm. unbalanced the whole time. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound like a good idea. No, none of it was. None of it. Yeah. <laughs> so meanwhile, I guess Velasco's plan—not that it is ever well explained—is. What is his plan? Is is his plan anything beyond extortion? Well, I guess that ultimately he wants to be king. 
And I don't understand, to be honest, given that we have him presented as a vaguely amoral gentleman, uh-huh. I don't really understand why he can't just poison everybody and then say tomorrow, how sad, I'm the king now. Well, also, isn't the kingdom passed through heritage? Like, isn't the crown always going to like a blood relative of the current king? Like, can you... Right. Can you wiggle your way into being king of England if well, you were not born into it? Well, that's his plan, is that he wants to marry Sarah because she is oh, presumably yes, that the part heir. That part I get. But I was just like, is he just going to fucking kill Arthur and just be like, me now? And everyone's like, cool, good I, job. I mean, like that that had, that has happened. Sure. That Oh, a lot, for example, that happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, there, yeah, there are absolutely like dynastic takeovers, which involve like basically killing off the uh, members of the previous family. And uh-huh. sometimes you have some vague claim and sometimes you have bullshit, but you're in charge. Yeah. Or, My, you know, some right. combination, you know, like the tutors are like, their claim is garbage, sure. but, yeah. you know, but you know, what? they kill people. <laughs> they, put, so they win. And you know, when you buy your own bullshit hard enough, it's yeah. basically the truth. Yeah. So, you know, like, uh, you know, I'll take the possibility and especially, okay, if we allowed a sixth century setting primogeniture, the like inherit the inheritance of the like firstborn often son, but like, you know, certainly like, you know, certainly like the like inheritance, you know, through like the lines of descent, that's Uh a lot fuzzier in the sixth century than it would be in say the 14th. Okay. So those things got, okay. That makes sense. So certainly in a sixth century setting, I feel like he could actually basically pull that off of killing everybody and saying he's in charge now. What era started this sort of like European chess of marrying your, you know, uh, arranging marriages to form alliances? When did that really kick off that they basically ended up all inbreeding? I would say it kind of, I mean, it's kind of a gradual process, but I would say like really you're kind of seeing that like the importance of marriage alliances really kind of ramping up within a relatively small group of people, probably starting about the 11th century. Okay. Um, Is that when then- like things were more like geopolitical than they had been before? Because like, I guess I'm just trying to get an idea of like when people started to look at like Europe and power, like more holistic as we yeah, so it's everywhere. Part, it's part that we're seeing a process of kingdoms becoming a little bit more centralized, at least like in some places. And that's a process that's very gradual over the course of the Middle Ages and even like in some cases into the early modern period. Okay. So it's part that I would say it also, I think, has some interesting connections to the fact that the church is actually getting more involved in marriage in ways that means it's harder to say... I would just like to ditch this wife now. It's not impossible, but it's harder. You'd have to invent a whole nother church to do it. Sure, sure. Right. I mean, (laughs) or have the Pope owe you a favor is the other way to do it. Um, And because that's the other thing, right? It's also because like everybody's marrying their cousins. Mm. You probably did get a papal dispensation, but you can suddenly be wrapped with guilt about the fact that you're married to your second cousin. Gotcha. Oh boy. And if the Pope owes you a favor or if like there's a case where essentially like in some cases, like the husband and the wife both sort of agree that they're they want out of this, uh-huh. <laughs> which is like the case for like, like, like with like uh, Louis the seventh of France and Eleanor of Aquitaine, who will then go on to marry Henry the second, who is the king of like who, well, shortly after they get married, will become king of England. Oof. Okay. <laughs> oh, that took me on a long journey that I did not keep up with, but I'm trying. <laughs> it's a lot of names that I don't know. 
<laughs> but like, so she and Louie are like, whatever it is, I don't remember the exact thing, but like second cousins or whatever. And gotcha. they get married anyway. And they have, you know, like they're officially given permission. But when what? basically they decide they don't want to be married, they're like, we're really upset about this. Oh, I see. So, so marrying your cousin, I thought they didn't think marrying your cousin or second cousin was a big deal. They did think. Oh, that. they do think that's a big deal. It's actually like arguably more than today. So according to the what? rules of the Catholic church, you are not allowed to marry somebody who is within seven degrees of relationship with to you, which is something like, because of how they, they count weird, but that makes it something like your fourth cousin. Okay. Wow. I didn't know that. Huh. I learned so much yeah. from you, Sarah. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so, like they actually like take it fairly. And, you know, and there's obviously a lot of situations where because of like dynastic politics, it's mm. not that hard to get a papal dispensation to marry your cousin. Uh-huh. But it's something that you're like technically not supposed to do, certainly. Huh. I really always thought that they were oblivious to the fact that yeah. in- incest is bad in whatever no. way and did it. Not in ignorance, not no. If anything, it's like much more expansive because they also see your kinship is also including like people that you're related to by marriage. They see your kinship is also including people that you're related to through spiritual kinship. So that you, for example, you shouldn't marry like your godparents' kids. Wow. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. Huh. It's a good show you have here, Sarah. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Thank learning you. so much. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, Belasco's thing is that I guess he wants to be king by marrying Sarah. Mm-hmm. Sarah's not here for this, no. obviously. Not interested. He tries to talk to Arthur, and what I at first for a second thought was going on was I actually thought it was a, like, Jafar and the Sultan bit where he, like, looked him in the eyes really hard, and it, like, got him to do what he wanted. Yeah, and so I was like, oh, is that what's going on? And then I'm like, oh, no, Arthur's just, like, kind of a wimp. Yeah, I really... At, at the end, and I'm skipping ahead here, he kind of does this thing of, like, hey, good news, I'm the best king ever. Anyone can compete in this tournament right. to win my daughter's hand in marriage. Like, right? <laughs> I, I literally, like, my jaw just dropped. Of like, is this supposed to be good? Does anyone else hear this? <laughs> what are we doing? It's like in this very, very specific context yeah. that he assumes that Kane will both win and that her daughter and that like case. Sarah wants to it's really hard that her name is Kate Winslet and Uh, the sister is Katie this is really something I'm struggling with (laughs) but that like in that specific context sure in the grand scheme of things like in the grand scheme of things you shouldn't have a tournament as a way of deciding who your daughter is marrying like sure yeah that's a good place to start is just not do that yeah <laughs> but whatever but so but so like he like Belasco it seems like convinces him and he's like yeah sure I'll talk to Sarah but then Sarah's just like no I'm doing the tournament thing and he's like okay <laughs> and at this point do we think she's just banking on James Bond winning it well, no, because he's not eligible to enter until oh, yeah. the rule changes. I did changes. watch this movie. I want to be <laughs> clear. I do not know why none of it stuck in my brain. <laughs> That's why I take very extensive notes is because yeah. it's the only way I remember anything. Um, 
Like, I think she's just being stubborn. I think she's mm-hmm. just like, if I can't marry exactly the person I want to marry, I'm going to do this stupid thing because that's what the stupid law is. Right, right. If we're going to follow the law, we're going to follow the dumb law. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm not, I'm not choosing anybody else because I don't want anybody else. So I'm going to like force the system to choose for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm calling your bluff. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like well I can't force her to marry you and I'm kind of like well actually you kind of can but, but you know. can sir you're the king yeah and like and like her father like most I mean most girls and for that matter boys of that status would not get to choose who they get to marry yeah yeah not at all uh, yeah, yeah. yeah so you know whatever <laughs> but she turns Velasco down so Velasco's plan b which I find utterly baffling uh-huh is that he is going to, first of all, he's going to kidnap Katie and he's going to tell mm-hmm. Sarah, okay, I've kidnapped your sister. And mm-hmm. if you want her to not die, you have to marry me. Mm-hmm. But simultaneously, mm-hmm. he tells everybody else that Katie's dead and Calvin murdered her. Yes. So I think his plan has come off the rails somewhat. <laughs> What is there something I missed that would ben- that his plan would benefit by everybody thinking Katie was dead? Not that I can understand, except I guess that that's an explanation for her being missing. Oh, I guess, but like her, bo- they're still going to expect to see her body. And it's also okay. So then, assuming you get what you want, right, and you get Sarah to marry you presumably you're then going to release her. You would have just killed her already. So what does your explanation going to be then if you are 100% successful and you and Sarah are married and then you're like, surprise? Yeah, um, it was pretty short-sighted of him. And I'm not surprised he did not come out victorious. Right. So it's just this like bizarre combination of things. Mm -hmm. Um, We also do have a great uh, Calvin being utterly oblivious moment. So he has somebody invent the bicycle. Oh, we we completely glossed over the rollerblades. Oh, yes. Yes. That he has uh, a like local blacksmith make rollerblades and a bicycle. And also is like, oh, you can do it by melting these two metals together. Don't worry. I paid attention in shop class. And I'm like, what? I was baffled by this and when he they show you the ones that he made and they're beautiful and also yes look like they're made out of plastic (laughs) yes i wanted to know and i got my answer already is there any version of a rollerblade that could have been put together by say 14th century technology like i don't think so ball bearings i know are a thing i don't no, like I mean, they have they have wheels. Yeah, yeah, they do have wheels. They have wheels and they have ice skates. Hmm. Yeah, but it still seems. I just wonder. Hard. Like, does he? Do you think the wheels are made out of metal or wood? I don't know. I think they looked like they were metal. I thought so too, but that's crazy, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. But yeah, but they were like metal wheels and like a wood kind of platform thing, which it is also like, kind of how the bicycle worked. Yeah, it was the 
rollerblades were more like uh like old school roller skates from like the 60s yeah you have to have like you put your shoe on in them and then they like right. lock in with the key yeah like, they, they strap on your existing foot your existing foot your shoe <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah, the bike though fun. the bike though what monstrosity <laughs> did they baffling. give us utterly baffling I didn't understand the physics of it no I it just and he was and turned it around like this hey here's my big question Sarah what is the time frame of this movie does it take place um, over a, a year or, or over a day and a half because genuinely I would believe either I would guess approximately two weeks. Okay. That seems fair. Can we clock, uh, or did you clock that he does not change his outfit the entire time? Nope. Nope. What is that all about? And especially it's like, you did not have a dryer back then. And it's England. Like your thing that you would like wash and hand and hang out every night, that will not be dry by the next day. Oh no. Oh, I didn't think of that. Cause it's just, ugh. oh my God. Like, just so few people there was so little intellectual curiosity on anybody's yeah. end in this movie yeah that they all like find themselves in a like once in a million year situation right. and everyone's like cool would you like some big snout um i like your shirt your hat's weird it backwards. <laughs> yes. like everybody's so blasé about everything yes and it's like okay how do you have this child also who simultaneously is presented as having no intellectual curiosity whatsoever about the Uh fact that he is back in time Mm -hmm. but knows the entire like engineering schematics for a bicycle at least he had rollerblades to show the guy yeah the rollerblades i can kind of almost buy on the grounds that at least he could say like here is a thing figure out how it works and reproduce it right the bike is i do not believe that he has like could put together a diagram explaining how one makes a bicycle that does not make any sense well and they already had like you said ice skates they don't have pedals or no aluminum freight you're like what okay wait when did bike what with the part the penny farthing is what late 19th century sounds right so we're talking like 500 years yeah like we're definitely after my period so i do not know exactly like the yeah. history of the bicycle but i can certainly say there were not bicycles yeah i just and, and i not, and i and the- will also say so in my reading the wikipedia summary of the book the guy who goes back in time there, he's like an engineer and an arms manufacturer or something. So oh, it actually makes funny. sense that he can do all of this, like that he can like invent a bunch of modern shit and bring it to the sixth century. Right. It doesn't make sense that this 15 year old can do that. <laughs> uh, bicycles were introduced in the 19th century. Hey, there you go. We got it. Spot on. Good job, team. Yeah. It is just... it is baffling it's wild Um, they kiss and he is like obliviously like leaning against her door being like katie you're such a kisser and i really have feelings for you and i'm like ew stop talking you're making it worse i hate nothing more than that trope of somebody (laughs) thinks they're talking to like their sweetheart but it's really 
nobody's there or it's somebody else or that person's in trouble or whatever. Right. Their sweetheart has been like grabbed and is about to be kidnapped. Or in the same way of like when you're talking shit about somebody and they're like Mm -hmm. right behind me, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's like, ugh, it's it makes dumb. me angry for some reason. No, it's stupid. It's, it's really stupid. stupid. You're a really good kisser. First of all, no teen boy would say that to anybody. No. And also, they it's not even like they've made out. It's this very, like, chaste pet. Right, right. Like, right. nobody can tell if somebody is a good kisser from that kiss. I think that that is the only compliment a teenager knows how to give somebody after well, they yeah. kiss them. Like, you're a good kisser. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for ignoring my acne. <laughs> this jersey's made out of rayon. <laughs> I'm going to invent rayon. <laughs> oh boy, I hate this kid for some reason. Dumb fuck. <laughs> so she gets kidnapped, and we have the whole thing play out. We're a Belasco is simultaneously is saying that she's kidnapped but totally fine but also that she's dead and she does not have a plan for how to get out of this shit so strange it's it's like i thought you're supposed to be smart wait so so he tells sarah that the sister is dead no he tells sarah i have kidnapped your sister and i will kill her if you don't marry me and who did he tell straight up that she was dead? Was it the everybody the king? else? And the king and the every king. and like everybody else. Like that is what the like public announcement is that he's going around the castle yelling. Calvin what murdered Katie. Aunt? Just to discredit this guy? Just to discredit he- Calvin. And it's like, why do you give a shit? Again, he's a child and he's yes. not even interested in the sister who's gonna be queen so no just ignore him dude like this man or needs a friend him too. who is like let it go buddy you have yeah. to let this go you are yeah. fixating on this kid and it's weird well he just had that one second in command to somebody's like why don't you just like enter the fucking tournament and he's like no <laughs> i don't so want to die like, okay calm the fuck down <laughs> um, but yeah no somebody needs to tell him like a calvin's not a big deal b just also kidnap calvin and yeah. then say oh they ran away together easy breezy so easy it's weird it's just weird yeah, so Sarah, because Sarah knows her sister isn't dead, because Velasco just told her that her sister isn't dead. Why would he tell her that? <laughs> it, it, the fact that there's two stories is the problem here. I'm so confused by it. Like, I genuinely cannot piece together, like, what they had in mind. Because as I said, like, my, my biggest problem is that if he's successful and, like, Sarah marries him right now, and then uh-huh. that's everything settled... What is he going to do with Katie, who he's just told everybody is dead? Is he just going to produce her and be like, well, my bad? Or is he going to kill her anyway? In which case, why? Like, or what is he then... planning on killing her, but is just wants to torture Sarah? But I feel like his only hold over Sarah is the fact that is Katie, essentially, what would be stopping her if like, if he did kill Katie, what would then be stopping her from running away and trying to like rally people to her side? Yeah. Nothing. Everybody would do yeah. that. Cause he's an obvious like, villain. 
even if they're legally married, like, well, you're not married anymore. If he's dead, you're a widow. So like, <laughs> you can't be married. You don't have a head. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. genuinely on Wikipedia to see if they can parse this and truly no. Yeah. So it's, it's baffling. The other thing that I also found very confusing is so, okay. So Sarah, you know, rescues Calvin, right. And tells Calvin, okay, this is what's really going on. And Calvin's like, okay, fine. And then she just gives Calvin like a handkerchief and says like, give this to my father. And then he'll just believe everything you say. Yeah. Yes. That's what? What is this fucking handkerchief? Well, it's definitely something that can be stolen off a person as easily yeah. as given to another person. Especially like, if, if, like, if you believe, like, this, if you believed Belasco, this kid just fucking murdered somebody. What, you think he'd, like, stop at stealing a goddamn handkerchief? But wait, doesn't he get to the king and tell him the plan before he thinks that she's dead? Yes, but why, like, what is the explanation other than I gave you this handkerchief for why exactly Arthur still believes Calvin and doesn't believe Belasco? Because Belasco does come in and say Calvin killed him. So there's no reason the king would not trust his trusted advisor over this little twerp that he just met. Right. It's just one person's word against the other. And I says, and the and the claim that Sarah makes is like, if you give him this, he'll know you're telling the truth. And I'm like, why? No, he won't. No, why? He won't. I, no, he I won't. mean that—that that is the implication continuing in the story is that he believes him because of this handkerchief, but it makes no sense. No, it does not. It does not. It's bad. It's bad writing. It's baffling. Yes, it is not good writing. Yeah. And it's like, we're, did we just like not notice this kind of thing when we were 10 or whatever? Like, I mean, certainly we didn't. But I, I wonder if there's like, like a 110 minute cut of this somewhere. That right. Maybe. Some of those gaps. <laughs> yeah. But no, but also I'm just like, I'm questioning everything. I'm like, does Homeward Bound have these plot holes? Like, oh boy. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, movies I've like active. Uh, Homeward Bound I haven't watched as a ki- since I was a kid. Because the end made me cry so hard that it oh God, like, like, I, traumatized yeah. me. And I was like, never again. Same with Airbud. Won't watch Airbud again. My mom rented it. I, I was like, nope, cried too hard the first time. I was really into dog movies, even though they absolutely would make me cry. And I actually had uh, recurring nightmares about the evil vet from Beethoven. Oh my God. I don't even remember an evil vet from Beethoven. Yeah, that's the villain in the first Beethoven movie, because there are, of course, multiple. Um, But in the first, the villain is the evil vet who wants to do experiments on Beethoven because he's a very big dog. And I also had a very big dog. So I found this very concerning and uh, like a real potential problem. I was very mistrustful of all vets for most of my childhood. I mean, does it make you feel better that dogs aren't really a good human, like, analogy or whatever for, like, testing or things like that? Like, I mean, now I do not have- mistrust. Now I do not think my vet is going to steal oh, you okay. my dog. I thought it was still a problem for you, Sarah. I, I, I mean, now, now I'm good. But as, like, a four or five-year-old, this was a <laughs> major uh, subject of concern for me. Oh, boy. Oh, that boy. my giant dog was in constant danger from our vets. From roaming vets. <laughs> yes, from roaming evil vets. <laughs> <laughs> 
he tells Arthur, and so Arthur and he go off to rescue Katie. This involves them having it to dress up as, I think the language he actually uses is pathetic peasants. Yeah, real judgmental language around Right? Here. Right? Really and like, ju- sir, you're basically a peasant, and your ancestors were absolutely peasants. Yeah, like, it was mean. Yeah. Don't kick these kids while they're down. Right. And then he also tells Arthur, I'm like, oh, so by the way, not only is your daughter's life in danger, but you also should know that all of your people absolutely fucking hate you. Ooh, this guy's laying truths down and <laughs> King Arthur takes it well. Considering yeah, he's like, I know. Famously I do don't suck. take criticism well, especially powerful men. He takes it right. so well. And it's also, like, it's baffling that, like, when Calvin tells him, he's like, I know, I suck. I've sucked ever since my wife died. Um, And then when, like, a person in the street is, like, you know, is like, fuck you, who the hell are you? He's like, he, like, freaks the hell out. It's like, why can Calvin tell you this shit and nobody else can? Yeah. What's so special about this dumb kid? It's so strange. And also, I will say this was one of my favorite parts of the, the most entertaining parts of the movie is watching, like, King Arthur bounce around. He just had, like, a weird, like old leprechaun energy to him that i was he is really great. into i thought he was adorable yeah and he's like the, like i have not actually i don't think seen him in anything but he's no. like a british character actor and i'm like all right this was like he was a great choice i think oh he was wonderful you know i think i looked him up and i know him from something but but continue while i look this up they managed to get out of the city they defeat some enemy knights in what seems like half by accident <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that they talk about like all the training that knights do and how hard it is and how brave they are. Mm-hmm. And anytime they come across a knight at night, they just like dispatch them like they're goons. Yes. I mean, it's like the uh, the stormtroopers in Star Wars that it's like right, this is right. the evil army, and if you like point a gun in their general direction, they just they drop like die. flies. Have you ever seen that old SNL sketch of? They it was a bunch of it was like Chris Farley era, Chris Farley, David Spade, so late 90s, mid 90s, early 90s, who knows? When they're all ninjas and they're they're getting back from like getting their ass kicked by a hero somewhere, and they're like, Why is it that we should we not go one at a time? Is that the problem? <laughs> like, how come they keep beating us? There's 15 of us. One guy is taking us out. Like, that's every person they encounter. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, 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 those guys. So they get to the castle, which, of course, like standard trope in medieval movies, that the castle that is like from that same century is like in ruins already somehow. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. medieval are, castles are in ruins. All castles are old. That's the law. Even when they were new, they were old. Science. Yeah. And also, obviously, this castle has a secret passage. Well, we've already established a secret passage. This is a different castle and a different secret passage. This is like the castle on the outskirts of town where they kidnapped Katie and held her. It's like a totally different castle. They have to take the bicycle there. Oh, the bicycle. Yes, yes, yes. I swear to God I watched this movie, Sarah. (laughs) I swear to you. I did. So yeah, so we have to get to this other castle. And this is the one that's in ruins. And it has a different secret passage that you can like get into the castle from the outside, you know, well, very easily. It's like a walk-in closet, you know, like most, yeah. it's just a nice thing to have. You don't need yeah. a secret passage, but once you have one, you kind of need it from now on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's like you're, you're going to find it useful. Yeah. 
The thing I don't like about this chunk of the movie is that up until now, yeah, she's not a ton of personality, but you know, neither does Calvin. Katie at least has seemed very competent. Mm -hmm. And now she's been kidnapped and is just like an absolute, yes, she's like freaking out over a rat. She's just Mm -hmm. like absolutely like damseled for this entire chunk of the movie. Mm -hmm. It's really annoying. Even though the entire premise of the first half of the movie was she is more competent than him at everything because she is in her time. Yeah, it makes sense. She's been doing this like training her entire life. It's implied, which yeah. is like, you know, actual like people, you know, like an actual somebody. I mean, you know, in, in the real medieval period, women typically would not get this training. But if we're just assuming that women do in this particular fantasy context, which I'm fine with, then the assumption, right, is that she's probably been doing this since she was like seven or eight. Oh, 100 percent. So, yeah. Why can now she not do anything? anything and like is a frame I just think the the idea that a person in any time prior to like the 21st century would see a rat and like shriek at it it's like like you saw rats, rats all the fucking time everywhere my friend like you're right? not afraid of a rat it's not like a rattlesnake or something that's dangerous right okay it's just a rat. Like I see them and like I when I lived in New York, I saw rats fucking constantly in the New York subway. It's just like, oh, oh there's a rat. Yeah, that's just what they do. They just yeah. hang around and be gross. Yeah. And I can see why maybe you wouldn't want it like on your body. No, but I'm not like I guess. springing up, up on a chair like a 1950 no. housewife in a cartoon. No. Yeah, yeah, no, it's ridiculous. Ugh. And I certainly like, I can almost understand her like getting up and away from the rat, but she doesn't also need to like whimper and shriek. Right. So they eventually manage to rescue Katie, who continues to just be like utterly useless. She immediately becomes a nothing burger. Yeah. She loses I mean, any yeah. skills she had, any personality she had, any mm-hmm. intelligence she had. Meanwhile, Arthur, who's been like a nothing this entire movie, Calvin pulls Excalibur out of his backpack and throws it at him. Like and all Mary of a sudden, he's Poppins a badass. And the lamp, like, it just it's, grows out of his backpack. Right. It's absolutely ridiculous. And then finally, the way he, like, somebody else grabs Katie at some point, right, and is about to, like, throw her in the moat. And the way Calvin manages to defeat this guy is that he pulls out the Walkman again, which has just like a really intense laser pointer on it. Did yours have that? I don't remember this. Certainly not. From the 90s. Certainly not, because we would have used those a lot on the bus. Oh, clearly, clearly. Nobody actually should give things with laser pointers to 12-year-olds to carry around. That's actually an awful idea. Terrible idea, as the 90s proved. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He manages to kill this guy by, like, freaking him out with a laser pointer and then, like, knocking him into the moat. I mean, it worked. Yeah. What are you complaining about? (laughs) Because you know know when you get, like, you get startled by something in your eye and you just jump off the moat, off into the moat? Yeah. "Ah!" Yeah. I gotta go. It happens to me all the time. It's a big problem. Yeah, it really is. We we meant to have an intervention about that. (laughs) (laughs) So they head back. Uh, they do stop for Arthur to knight Calvin, which is, it's nice. Yeah. I guess. It, yeah. I don't know why. I was like, ugh, okay. I think I was just done with this movie by the end. <laughs> it's also, by the way, this movie is only 90 minutes. Truly. I thought it was like 88. <laughs> like, honestly, it was not long. And at one point I paused it and I was like, how is there an hour left of this movie? We've already done everything. 
It moves oddly slowly for being only 90 minutes. Also, I do, okay, like, fine, he's being knighted, like, it's, it's sort of what you would expect, but I'm also like, don't you have something better to do? Like, don't you still have to, like, worry about your other problems back at the castle? You're the king of England. Why are you fucking with this weird little guy? Also, like, your daughter, as far as you know, is, like, your other daughter is still, like, probably in danger and has, like, agreed to marry this fucking creep. Yeah, again, no sense of urgency here. No, no. And like, the stakes are pretty high. Although I guess yes. the risk has only ever been placed on the girls. So yeah, so I guess, I guess it's fine. It's fine. Disposable women, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. So he gets back, and uh, she's like, just like said, like, "I'll marry you." And then like they all show up, and you know, Katie's there, and she's like, "Thumbs up, never mind." Yeah. And then they're just like, "All right, bye, Belasco. See you at the tournament." And I'm like, mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. "What? No consequences for Belasco. No, none." Because obviously you have to have the climactic scene at the tournament. Right. Obviously. Right. Now, this like twist at the end of the movie. Did they lead any breadcrumbs for us to know that uh, the sister is in fact the Black Knight? No, absolutely not. Okay. I wanted to make sure that wasn't just like they didn't show her being competent when nobody was looking or like, oh, she's the best jouster in the family, but she's a lady, so she can't. Like, we didn't get, I didn't miss that, right? No, I mean, I, I it vaguely makes sense to me that, fine, Katie has some combat training. She probably does, too. Oh, yeah. No, I, I like, I don't think it's, un, I don't think it's, like, out of the, que- it's not the weirdest thing. No, but that's, but like, that's all that. No, yeah, otherwise, it, no, not at all. Uh, yeah, it really felt like somebody at the end was like, maybe one of the women should do something. <laughs> Besides so it's like brush we, each other's hair and scream at rest. Yeah, like we learn earlier that the Black Knight is actually a good guy because we uh-huh. see the Black Knight like, you know, distributing food to the poor or whatever. Robin Hood character, which would yeah. you argue that a princess should be able to do that more easily than a mysterious knight? I guess that she can't because she's not allowed to give poor people things. I I don't know. All right. Okay. I have no questions. (laughs) I mean, I like, I guess it's fine that it's like she doesn't want to get in trouble. And, like, have people be like, why aren't you giving food to the poor? Like, basically, she doesn't have to answer any questions. Oh, yeah, I guess. There's no oversight (laughs) and nobody knows what you're doing. Yeah. So, like, okay, that I guess I can kind of see. But it also seems like this is a very, like, elaborate charade. Very elaborate. Very elaborate. And I have to think very expensive. Right. Yeah, armor is very expensive. I'm like, where did you get this armor from? Where are you hiding this armor? And how many people must know and be keeping this secret? Although I bet yeah. servants are good at keeping secrets from the king. Also, I think, I think the there has to therefore be like another fucking secret passage, which is like the secret like closet where she keeps like her armor and also then like gets out to her like secret horse. Can I one up you on that one for yes. one second? What if she has a bat cave, but it's like basically just medieval times down there yeah. and so she has her own little like jousting arena like a little stable in there a couple of perfect couple sense. house elves or whatever <laughs> makes perfect sense like, yeah a underground training center for jousting 
Yeah, makes perfect sense. I would actually watch that movie. That'd be great. I I would, yeah, I would love to see that. Like Fight Club, but it takes place in the 14th century and there's Justin. Yes. Yeah. And it's, or else even like, I would love to see like all the stuff is just like her being like, yeah, like actually, I would love the movie that's just like about her and she's like doing all this shit in the background. 12,000% is a more interesting story. Yeah. Yes. With almost every movie I've ever seen, whatever the like, second lead woman is doing is more uh-huh. interesting than anybody else clearly clearly <laughs> so yeah like that's really what i want to say but yeah so like she is secretly the black knight there's also the whole bit where so like belasco it turns out is like winning the tournament because he like put a gem that fucks with the horses on his helmet i what i missed this <laughs> completely what the fuck what did you just that- say to me he's got like a little twice. like He's got a little like shiny thing on his helmet and whenever the horses see it, they like move. And so that's how he's winning. I truly completely, like every time there was like action happening, I was probably looking at my phone. (laughs) I'm a terrible podcaster. You're never going to have me back. I mean, listen, horses are famously afraid of. Light. I mean, I did. Okay. Real talk. I did have a horse who was literally afraid of his own shadow because we would be going like I was in a riding arena. And so the lights were along the middle. And so we would go around a corner. The shadows would like shift and also one would like pop up kind of perceived popped up right in front of him. And he's like, ah, every time, every time we go in that corner, every time he's like, ah, ah, every time around. Yeah. But so like 40 minutes ago. At some point, Velasco, at some point he was like, I have a plan. And then I'm like, is this the plan? The plan is this magic jewel. Which like fucks with with, like, and the horses freak out. Yeah. And you have to understand that when a, if you're a, imagine you're a horse, another horse is barreling at you with a person on top and a very pointy thing coming at you. There's a lot you're taking in. If you're a horse a weird reflection is not the thing that's going to scare you. Those horses yeah. are what we call bombproof. Right. Especially if like you have been trained to be cool with like other horse and dude and large spiky thing hurtling at you. Yeah. Horses are good at doing the job that they have. Just keep going yeah. forward, bud. So that's the indication is that that's why he's winning or like, so like he's unhorsed all of his opponents, Kane's unhorsed all his opponents. And it's because of the dumb magic gem. The implication is that that's the only reason why he unhorses Kane. Because mm-hmm. Kane's clearly better. Yes. And nobody clocks that instead of. So, okay, wait, if these horses are getting scared by this thing, then it should look like the horse is like rearing up. And like falling over instead of they just lose the joust. So if this guy is jousting person after person and every one of their horses is rearing up in fear before getting there, somebody's going to be like, hey, gang, <laughs> something it's is utterly baffling. It's Something's utterly baffling. Like, yeah, a horse spooking and a person falling off look very different, even if you don't know anything about either thing. Yeah. So what I'm saying is I don't think the people who wrote this movie know anything about anything. I think <laughs> I that you're correct. Horses, but honestly, 
I don't think they know about Arthurian legend. I don't no, I don't think they know much history. about medieval history. I, no. I don't think they, I mean, I don't know. I'm not even sure if they know anything about Reseda. I don't know anything about Reseda, so I really can't say. Was there a run? So I was, like I said, I was 10 when this came out, so I wasn't like really culturally aware. Was there like a run of bad kids movies in the mid nineties? Like, I feel like, yes. So I think, because I feel like he was also in the pitching one, Rookie of the Year. Was right. The there's also Angels in the Outfield. Outfield. Like, there's a lot of those, like, little boy does something magical. And yeah. there was, like, 25 of those a year. And I yeah. think this just sort of, they were just grabbing properties right and left. Yeah. Somebody's been holding the Connecticut, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court property rights for years. And they're like... Kid in King Arthur's Court. Perfect. They're like, great. What if this is actually this like actually like a super dark story about this engineer who goes back in time is actually about a 15 year old and he really likes baseball, but he sucks. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. I do yeah. like quote unquote adaptations that are like, they just wanted that title. <laughs> right. It's like you wanted the title and you have and like otherwise it's like he kept the time travel. And I think actually bicycles feature prominently at some point, And like that is all. Yeah, I mean, oh boy. Okay, I really do want to read that book. I think I bought it and just didn't get around to reading it. Yeah, I think I am going to read it, even though like I now know the whole plot, but I've yeah. like forgotten half of it already. So it's fine. <laughs> so he kind of like knocks out what's his name? Kane, Daniel Craig, James yeah. Bond, but he'll he'll be fine, I'm sure. But right. Calvin rides as him. Calvin defeats Velasco, and then the Black Knight comes in like kicks Velasco basically (laughs) and so Calvin's like he's the real winner and then that's when the Black Knight reveals that it's in fact Sarah and I absolutely like I was very confused at that point because I had actually assumed the Black Knight like my misogyny I guess I assumed the Black Knight was Kane yeah check yourself Sarah I know I know because then when the Black Knight showed up now I'm like wait that doesn't make any sense he's like real fucking loopy (laughs) (laughs) loopy because you see him basically like he's like he like can't string together a sentence like I'm actually concerned about his level of brain damage (laughs) I bet concussions were a real issue in the 19th in the 14th century oh yeah yeah no these I mean like actually like real talk like this shit like tournaments are really fucking stupid like there are there is more than one like there is a king and a member of the royal family who died during, ter- like, really in the 16th like century. Kings? Literally, the kings? king of France died in a jousting accident. It's so like I get the I like I get sports and things like that, but in in those times, if you like get a paper cut that gets infected, you're fucked. Like your any little injury can just be life ending and so right. i would be so careful yeah but no this guy was just like fuck it i'm jousting and then there was like a freak accident and like a splinter from a lance like went through his eye and he died oh boy that and then that was the king of france <laughs> bye oh my god yeah a terrible way to die yeah. And also, so Eleanor of Aquitaine, who I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. when she married the King of England, they had a bunch of kids, one of those kids. So the other thing that you would do in tournaments that they never include in movies is that you'd basically have like mock just straight pitched battles. Wait, but what? like, yeah, you just like have a battle with swords. 
It was called a melee. Oh, I've heard of melees. Are yeah. they, did people get hurt or was it the point was like, like LARPing? <laughs> no, you got like this, like the like son of the King of England died. To what? I, just to show their <laughs> manliness, right? Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> and it was like a display of skill. And like the goal was to like try to not, right. you know, use killing force. But like, I don't know, sometimes you fucked up. Like you're still using a real sword and like sometimes you fuck up. Right. Oh boy. Oh boy. That's a bummer. Yeah. What a dumb way to die. Yeah. So yeah, like real talk, these things are really fucking dangerous. Yeah. So stupid. This means that, uh, she is given, like you are given the right to choose. I think that now we no longer have. Oh boy. That was grim. (laughs) I I live in Tennessee. It's been rough. Oh boy. It's cool. I officially have uh, less rights than I did several months ago. Less what? Le- uh, fewer rights than I did several months ago. Oh, that's uh, really fun for, for all of us. I know. Our, our trigger ban, our trigger ban uh, went through. It went off? The last, yep, in the last week. Hmm. Yay. Uh, is there a line around the block for IUDs? Because <laughs> I couldn't get mine put in for like six weeks. There's a six oh. week wait before I could get mine. I know. I'm just still like kind of hoping for the best on like figuring all of that out because I really don't want an IUD because yeah. like I've heard a lot of people have had issues with cramps. And the reason I actually went on birth control in the first place was because I had horrific cramps. And I'm like, I just like, I really don't want to like go back to like basically being like fucking useless for four days a month. Yeah, I had really bad cramps too. And I, it, it was uncomfortable for a little while and eventually got much better. Better, but I was mm-hmm. like uncomfortable for probably a year, more or less. Yeah. Of, like yeah. mild cramping most of the time. Anyway, that's how we're talking. About. Anyway, <laughs> fun times. Anyway, so he has now done his job. He saved Camelot. I guess Sarah's gonna inherit and marry Kane, and they'll do a great job. Mm-hmm. Happily ever after. So yeah, so he goes down to the well and sees well hologram Merlin again. Mm-hmm. And well, oh, you got a hot tub. Remember when you saw it and called it a hot tub? Yep. Um, <laughs> I did want to bring up in that vein. There's something about the 90s where I, I feel like I've seen a lot of time travel movies like this, where the I, the joke is that kids only speak in idioms or slang and do not know yes. how to code switch or modify their language, which is a wild assumption to make yeah like kids know how to talk like i teach 18 year olds they speak differently in a classroom setting than they do to their friends right like (laughs) just the way he he's like i would never tell a king like you're gonna be dead meat like they're gonna yes! murder you. Why are you being cutesy about this? Yeah, and it's like you I know you have the vocabulary to find a more polite way of saying yeah. this. Or appropriate way. Of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or honestly, comprehensible way. It's it genuinely makes me crazy when they do that. Like people yeah. know how to talk to people who don't understand them. They're not idiots. Right. And they or are idiots, and, but they're well. And then of course, as Katie says, I fear I will never understand your value speak. Which was maybe the dumbest line in the movie. It was such a dumb line because it belies having so much information about Southern California 20th century culture. Right. Because that means he had to explain to her like what the like 
what the valley is in comparison right. to the rest of Los Angeles. And what, I have to say, like, I would not even have known. Is Reseda in the valley? I don't I fucking don't know. know. I spent a grand total of six days of my life in Los Angeles. I don't know and I don't care. I mean, I've been to Los Angeles a ton. I don't know the neighborhoods or the, yeah. the areas in the area, like the greater Los Angeles area. I've been to the valley. Don't know. I mean, it was the valley. I remember that part, but it was, <clears throat> I do not know my way around there. It, I assume also all kids were always from California in the 90s. Yes. Yeah. Did they not think like every kid lived in California. Is that just because it's easier to film in California and Must they don't want to make the child actors like move and they're just like, whatever, it's California, the kids from California. No, but actually this was not filmed in California. I was reading this. The medieval parts are filmed in Budapest. The really? modern parts are filmed at an American school in London. No. <laughs> According to Wikipedia, at least. That's his. Hysterical. <laughs> wow. And I can look up the precise name of the school. Come on. I just looked this up 12 what? times. They How do you not? Baseball field and everything. That's adorable. Uh, right. Because it's an American school. <laughs> yes. The majority of the 20th century portion was filmed at the softball field of London Central High School, an American institution at RAF Dawes Hill, High Wycombe, England. Funny. <laughs> was it a British production? Is that why they filmed all? In... I don't think so. It's Disney. Was it originally Disney or is it Disney now by default? It says released by Walt Disney Pictures in association huh. with Trimark Pictures and Tapestry Films. Odd. Huh. So I think that means it was originally already associated with Disney. Hmm. wonder if somebody um, was committing some money laundering in Budapest. <laughs> yep. Also, I do, of course, need to share that there is a sequel titled A Kid in Aladdin's Palace. Ooh, that one feels like it's going to be a little more problematic. Yeah, I think we're going to give that one a miss. Yeah, I don't think we need that in our brains. Yeah. He gets sent back. He gets sent back to right before he struck out. And now he now he has self-confidence and his bat is Excalibur. And he does the big home run. He wins Woo. the game, wins the girl. She shows up. She's she, just in. Yeah, Katie's there. And again... I do not know if it's two analogs for them or like, like it, um, what's it called? The, uh, uh, Wizard of Oz thing that like, he just happened to see them and then incorporated them in his weird, like acid trip dream. So according to Wikipedia, Arthur is when he's not, so like, he's like on the bench watching. Yeah. And according to that, he is whittling something with the Swiss army knife that Calvin gave him. Do we know it was this specific Swiss Army knife? Those were very popular little items. I'm, I'm going by what Wikipedia has told me <laughs> on that. So <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, okay. It looks like that's King Arthur and Katie. Weird. Yeah. So strange. Yeah. And, and as I said, like, yeah, my, my guess is that like after he left, they were like, eh, I was going to abdicate anyway. I need to retire. I'm going to retire to <laughs> Classic where universe. I will live with no money and no social security number. Thumbs up. Mm -mm. I brought some gold. Like, 
what I hate those things genuinely upset me when because there's another boy I don't know if it was this podcast or one of the um Disney or not Disney Christmas Hallmark movies where oh the the night one there was like a night yeah, that moves uh-huh. one time and yep. like he shows up and it's just like what what are you gonna do here sir well and in that movie he is like at the end he's like maybe i'll become a cop and in addition to the five million other problems with that yeah there's also the uh sir i i think you need i like a social security number right to become a background a background for them to check Uh, yes exactly (laughs) like i don't think they not that there aren't problems with the police in the united states but i don't think one of the problems is that they consistently accept random people who have like amnesia and think they're 14th century knights Mm -hmm. and have no evidence of who they are Mm -hmm. i don't think that's like a thing that comes up in policing yeah i don't think even the cops would take that person Like, yeah, if they're if they're really racist, then maybe we'll uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that is this movie. Yeah. And so now we can do the Vera and Falsa where we talk about what they got right and wrong. Can we just skip the what they got right? Because I don't know if there's anything. Okay, I have precisely, I think I have precisely one thing, which is that I looked up so early in the film somebody insults him using the insult clumsy mutton and i decided to look up if clumsy mutton or at least Mm. if mutton is actually an insult and yes there is at least so by the 16th century there is a an insult poem early 16th century so i'll (laughs) say in context close enough especially because the word certainly could have existed in the same usage before then and just not have been written down where in this insult poem, somebody was described as a maggoty, mutton, and gorged glutton. I mean, so taking that back. Yeah, so I will allow clumsy button as an insult, though also, fun fact, this insult then, starting in the late 16th century, it became an insulting term for a prostitute. Was it still mutton? Was it still lamb? Well, so so I guess mutton is lamb? lamb grown up. If you kill the adult sheep and eat it, then it's mutton. If you kill it when it's a baby and eat it, then it's lamb. I thought it was just two words for the same thing. Oh, interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. So mutton is grown sheep. Okay. But so, so it was originally, that was its original definition. Then it became an insult. Yes. So in that, in that, and the two coexisted. And also actually the, there was also a term that started out as a cooking term, which was mutton dressed as lamb. That then became an insult in the 18th century. I did a lot of reading on this Uh an insult in the 18th century for older women who tried to dress like they were younger. Mutton dressed as lamb. Okay. I've heard that expression. I just ignored it because it didn't make any sense to me. So I let it just go through my brain. So now you know. And now I know. So that's what this movie got right. Full stop. (laughs) I have some thoughts about names. In particular, Catherine Fine, Katie. Really? We went with Katie? Yeah. Katie felt like they weren't even trying anymore. Like not even Kate. Katie. Not even Kate or like Gwen or something that well she can't be Gwen because that's their dead mom oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay that's fair and honestly, 
I used to be smart, you know, but I mean, <laughs> like something that's like loosely associated with the mythology of, of Arthur. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or as I said, even if they'd done like Catherine. Right. Like that would actually be fine. But like Katie just feels like a step too far. Mm-hmm. And Sarah also that Hebrew Bible, Old Testament names were actually not particularly popular among Christians until like the pro until like there were Protestants. Oh, yeah, so there really aren't a lot of Sarahs, and or if there are any Sarahs, they're Jewish. Well, in this period, pretty much. I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, they they did a poor job on these names. I think this was pretty slapdash. I <laughs> yeah think that this was definitely factory churned out. <laughs> right, and I find it really funny because I feel like these are actually just precisely names that were like really popular girls' names. Oh yeah, for like people who would have been the appropriate age to watch this movie in the nineties. I say as somebody who is like, I think I was eight when this movie came out, and yeah. am named Sarah, and everybody was named Sarah, and it was really annoying. Yeah, I'm a Jessica, born in 1985. I feel your pain. Yeah. So, yeah, so that is my theory, is that they basically just picked names that were, like, popular right. in 1995. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. Then they want to talk about some material culture in this film. Okay. The first thing I will say is that, as discussed earlier, there is the problem that this kind of claims that it's the 6th century. It clearly isn't the 6th century. So we're just going to move on for that and say, fine, it is vaguely in the, like, 12th to 15th century. Mm -hmm. Uh, Within that, we have a fun mishmash that the costumes mostly just look like kind of discount Renfair attire. Correct. At some point, Arthur is wearing something that literally looks like it is like a white, like fruit of the loom t-shirt that somebody screen printed a dragon on. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I forgot about that. It's so bad. <laughs> so again, definitely not sixth century, but maybe like 12th or so. We have uh-huh. some vaguely gothic style architecture. And given that they filmed in Budapest, these might actually be some like late medieval castles but I do as I said I love that like oh it's the 6th century so this like 13th century castle is already in ruins that makes sense right right the armor I would say is like 15th century ish to the extent that it's kind of anything so you know again got got kind of a bit of a mishmash of Uh things also we have I guess I would say a weird relationship to Arthurian legend in this film yeah that Another interesting thing I thought, because like I've always enjoyed kind of Arthurian legend. I think it's cool. But besides the names and like the existence of Excalibur, Uh there was very little about the Arthurian legend at all. No. And in fact, in general, like if you hear about Arthur's family in Arthurian legend, you typically hear about well, you typically hear in some versions, right, about his son, Mordred, who was born through uh-huh. incest with his sister. Uh-huh. That's that's the one you usually hear about. Uh-huh. Uh, there is, however, one medieval Arthurian adaptation where he did have a daughter, although I didn't, I don't know a What's ton about it. Sarah Katie? <laughs> no, it was named Hilda. Oh, weird. They didn't use that for this. <laughs> I know, right? Weird that they weren't like, we're going to stick with that one. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the 13th century Icelandic uh, Thedric saga gives Arthur a daughter named Hilda. Huh. Yeah. 
But otherwise, it's like, it's really just the names with the one other kind of thematic thing that a lot of the kind of 12th to 15th century Arthurian romance kind of critiques Arthur, especially kind of when he's a bit older as this king who just kind of doesn't do anything and doesn't take action. And that's really his like great fatal flaw. Mm-hmm. It's not that he's like bad. It's that like evil is being done and like his wife is fucking this other dude right. and he just doesn't do anything. Right. Okay. And that I guess is kind of what Arthur in this film is doing. And that is just like Velasco has just like taken over his kingdom and is like bleeding his people dry. And he's just kind of sitting around being like, eh, I'm, right. it's good. Okay. So it's a little, I mean, that feels like more coincidence than intense. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. And it is interesting also because like a Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's court is like it hews pretty closely to Mort Darthur in particular. And, and then obviously, like, there are things that are changed by the fact that there's this, like, guy from the 19th century who right, shows right, up. Right. But the kind of overall, like, baseline is very clearly, like, drawn from more Arthur. And apparently there's even, like, direct quotes. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. So, it, like, it's, like, very closely drawing on, like, one of the, like, very big and well-known 15th century Arthurian narratives whereas Mm. this just seems like it's like his name is Arthur we're moving along right 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 that's the same that's the thing kids will recognize King Arthur yeah yeah but that's really sort of all they're doing Mm. but the other big thing that I wanted to talk about and this is the uh, the Historia at Veritas segment where I talk about a real event person or phenomenon is that I'm going to talk in detail about medieval food Ooh. And in Bridget, because that is actually, I would say, a major theme of this movie is like Calvin judging medieval cuisine. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, and I find food history very fun, especially because my PhD advisor actually is a food historian and I TA'd for his food history courses in my last year of grad school. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, I thought that was actually, really interesting. Yeah. And I'm actually thinking of putting together a food history course because I really like cooking. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, that's yeah. awesome. I think food history is really fun. So I want to talk a little bit about that. I'm going to mostly be talking basically about elite cuisine, both because that's what's relevant mostly for this film, but also because that tends to be just what we know the most about because Mm -hmm. they're the people whose cuisine, right, has left the most like written traces and visual representations. There are definitely legit or at least like, you know, understandable reasons why somebody used to like McDonald's in the 90s. (laughs) might have found medieval cuisine off-putting or alarming. There are indeed a lot of animal heads. Mm -hmm. Medieval high cuisine involves a lot of food preparations that are weird and that in some ways are very kind of focused on like the physical appearance over necessarily sure. the flavor. Yeah. So there's a lot of like use of color and like food coloring. So like things are colored weirdly and a lot of like spectacle, a lot of like illusion and like display and like making foods look like other foods. Mm-hmm. So there's like a lot of just like weird looking stuff. It's also a very heavily spiced cuisine. So the common myth about this is that basically medieval people just ate all of their meat rotten and used spices to cover that up. This is definitely not true. Oh, so first of that all, makes sense. If you're, yeah, because if you're eating like rotten meat, the fact that you like you know threw some turmeric on it, like it yeah, still tastes like rotten immaterial. meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also it's like I mean their meat was probably fresher than ours is now. Like, 
Oh, for sure. Probably kill, he probably killed that lamb an hour ago. Yeah, I mean, they don't have refrigerators or freezers, so no. the long-term shit is, is more challenging, but yeah. Right, but also, like, they have a lot of methods of preservation. Sure. Like, a lot of, like, like salting and things salting. like that. Like, that's been around for ages. Mm-hmm. So that's, like, they just have things be, like, really highly spiced because they really like that flavor. Everything else um, in the world is terrible. Have some spicy foods. Yeah, so they just, like, had a lot of spice. And including just like combinations that are just like every now and then you read things and you're just like, that certainly is a lot of spices. Uh-huh. Um, and also that they mix a lot of like sweet and savory flavors. So Ooh, that, that in, yeah, it's like, it's like some of the, like some things actually, like, I think you, like, I actually kind of sound good and are things that like, I've, I've like, I've like heard somewhere that like some of like the best analog is maybe like actually like some modern North African cooking, but that there would be like mm-hmm. sugar and like cinnamon that would be used in meat dishes. Oh, interesting. Um, and a lot of like fruit and meat combinations. Fruit and meat combinations. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I can so, be tempted. Know, something, yeah. Yeah. So something that I'm like, I'm like, okay, like this could be good, but you can certainly see where, you know, if you're, if you think the height of cuisine is a Big Mac. Yeah. I could get why you would not like this. Yeah. Also fun fact is a cuisine that is very heavy on sauces. And part of the reason for this is that in addition to adding flavor, these sauces are often thought to have a medicinal function. Ooh, food as medicine in yes. the, uh, anything over like 50 years ago, I'm real excited to hear about. Yeah. So this is because of the idea of the four humors mm-hmm. so that, you know, and essentially like the idea is that you want to balance the four humors in your body. And so in association with that, different substances are thought to be either hot or cold and dry or moist. What are the four humors? Black bile, yellow bile, blood, and... Phlegm. Phlegm. Gross. (laughs) Oh, nice word, phlegm. (laughs) There's a lot of, like, dishes that are based around essentially balancing the four humors. So, for example, uh, lamprey is very popular. Mm. And look up what a lamprey looks like, because everyone who hasn't, because it is extremely upsetting. Yeah, I Um, don't like them. I don't like eels. Don't like them. So this is like an eel, but the face just has more teeth than you would anticipate. Oh, I know. (laughs) Don't look it up, anybody. You're cursed. So lampreys were very popular, but were also were thought to be very dangerous because they were thought to be overly cold and moist. Overly cold? Yes. Okay. Oh, because the humors. Yeah. Gotcha. That they were thought to be a substance that was cold, cold and, moist, and moist and that Got they it. were too cold, humorally sure. speaking, they were thought to be too cold and moist. Mm-hmm. And, and so they were bad for send you. Send your humors out of whack. Yeah. And there actually was a, uh, a king of England who allegedly, at least, died by his doctor told him, you got to stop eating these lampreys or fucking up your humors. And he like ate a ton of lampreys and he died. <laughs> Despite his doctor? Uh-huh. Cool. I, well, not to spite his doctor. He just like he really liked lampreys. That's so funny. Oh my god. He was just like, I'm gonna eat these fucking lampreys. Death They're really by good, lamprey. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but so it is thought that you should cook lamprey in a hot pepper sauce because that's hot and dry to offset the cold and moist. And that's how you can safely eat lampreys. Wow. Some fun examples of some weird over-the-top medieval dishes. There are several cookbooks that describe a recipe where it is a cooked rooster that is riding on an orange-glazed suckling pig with a helmet and a flag. 
Uh, was the helmet and the flag on the pig or the rooster? The pig, I believe. Okay, that makes more sense to me. Yeah. That's intense. I think. Yeah, I think it's on the pig. Yeah. Boy. Yeah. That's got to be an upsetting sight. Talk about a um, cob sense of, like, style. <laughs> also upsetting, a duck that you remove from its skin, cook, and then sew it back together so it looks alive. No, thank you, actually. <laughs> I'm going to pass. I'm, oh, my God. Imagine how much, like, think of how, like, uncanny a stuffed head looks, like, on a, like a deer. Mm-hmm. Now imagine that it was done in the 5th century, and right. also, you have to eat it. And speaking of heads, a boar's head where you used camphor to make it look like it was breathing fire inside from its mouth, and then Dang. also served it with a parsley sauce and edible gold foil. Oh, so the 1%'s been around for a real long time, huh? Yeah. As I said, we're definitely talking about high cuisine yeah. here. So thoughts on a, my thoughts on a couple of these specific dishes mentioned in the film, they mentioned braised boar's snout with haggis. Mm-hmm. I don't think it makes sense that in a, you know, elite, like royal court setting that it would be just a snout. Why not the whole head? Mm, like one head per person? Or at least like early put the head on the table and then somebody oh. has to like know how to properly carve it. Sure. But, but that's it's a like whole, like spectacle that carpet too. Exactly. Yeah. So like you put it on the table and everyone can like ooh and ah at what like mm-hmm. the head with the edible gold foil looks like. Gotcha. And then you know, yeah, and then you like watch it carved. And actually, in general, I feel like this film has a lot of like people getting individual plates and which, like like being served which is, like, like it's a wedding. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's like it would be that like you would like put down a dish on the table and like then that dish would be like like served family style. Right. Right. After it got, you know, professionally carved. <laughs> and also haggis is uh actually is known as I believe something of a kind like the point of haggis is actually that it's supposed to be pretty cheap. Oh. Isn't it also particularly a Scottish dish? It is, though I believe it is attested as being something that was known in England by about the 15th century. Okay. All right. But that like, it's something that would be like typically Scottish and uh, that, yeah, it's also, it's like, it's something, it's kind of for poor people because like, it's all of these like organ meats that like would not have been as expensive. And that's kind of like the, like to some extent, the point of it. Right. So also doesn't quite fit with the setting. Mm Mm-hmm. They also mentioned a poached goat's head and brown grub sauce. And I did find a delightful sounding recipe involving goat's head, involving a goat's head. This is from a 15th century French cookbook. Did you say grub? So the grub sauce is the part that I think is just designed to make the dish sound gross. That is what they say in the movie. Uh, oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. But the goat's head part is legit. Okay. And honestly, they could have just used this recipe and uh, managed to make it sound gross without the the brown grub sauce. (laughs) Hash of entrails of a young goat and the head, which are cooked together. The head, the pluck, which is a term for awful, and the testes. Oh. And when they're all chopped, the meat of the testes and the pluck, not too small, they're fried in good lard in a pan. And take a little salt and saffron and grind in a mortar and a large number of eggs together. And when they are well beaten and cast into the stuffing into it, a pot until it is done Uh and stuff the head on the grill and wrap in goat intestine. So the brain is not in the ashes and then gild it with egg yolks. And when one serves the dish, put the head on top of the best platter. 
the best platter. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, this is a fancy dish you got to put on your best Very platter. Very fancy. <laughs> so many platters. Wow, that sounded challenging. Yeah. So then there is Calvin's cooking in the film. Ooh, when he busted out those tomatoes, I was like, Sarah's so mad right now. I was so mad. Especially because like <laughs> we have Katie who's like, you can't use those. They're poisonous love apples. And I'm like, you're you're so you're you're no, you're what, still so wrong. Because like people in hmm? what are we supposed to think she thought they were? So the term poisonous love, the term love apples is actually a term that was used for tomatoes in the 16th century in England. Okay. But why would you think they were poisonous? When people in England did actually think, uh, or some people in England did actually first think that tomatoes could be poisonous. So it's actually based on something, but I find it confusing that they did enough research to get that, right? but that they then seem to have missed that certainly if it's the 6th century, and even if you want to say it's the 15th, you still don't have tomatoes in England. No. Or anywhere else in Europe. And the thing is, I'm not sure why it had to be a Big Mac and it had to have tomatoes on it. Like, no, just don't have it. Just don't put a tomato on it. Just do a quick Google. Oh, it's 1995. Go to the library, find out what food was actually available in medieval times figure something out yeah and it's also like okay so the, the rest of the cheeseburger i will say could in theory be put together although like the cheese is not going to be like the processed american cheese right. that you've got on a big mac yeah <laughs> oh boy but also meat would have been a thing right like mincemeat of some kind that tr- probably would have I been mean, it- I think there are things, I mean, like, because they have, like, sausages. So I think, like, you, they have, like, ways of grinding Grinding meat. meat. Okay, so that one's realistic. So that I'll allow that you could find or, like, that you could grind meat. But the other problem is, like, is he too, is he baking buns from scratch? Because there's nothing that looks like a bun. That's what I was, so rolls are not would not be a thing do, do they only not, like, make loads? i don't think they really made like an individual like rolls that makes sense uh i bet listen of all of the things and definitely that i i noticed that too that feels like something that like hey can you make two of these things for me special i like, guess feels like he could have gotten made the tomatoes the tomato is the biggest problem and just the fact that he would know how to operate a kitchen in that oh time yeah period. like I do not believe actually fund even without the like him having to like bake bread right I fundamentally do not believe that he actually knows how to make a like I do not believe he knows how to make a burger I really wish he had just done a burger though because like I to me my Im- immediate thought when he said it was a Big Mac I was like isn't the whole thing about a Big Mac is the special sauce like that's mm. the whole thing so and it just, totally doesn't have that. It doesn't have that. Maybe it's, I bet McDonald's paid them. Yeah. <laughs> However, what I do think is arguably a real late medieval tradition is this dude mansplaining food and cooking to a woman. Oof. That was not a cute look on his part. No. So there is a 1393 French, basically household guidebook called Le Ménagier de Paris which is at least written in the voice of an older man instructing his significantly younger wife on how to appropriately uh, keep house and cook. Oh boy. Is Setter? No, I don't think so. Okay. 
Oh boy. I don't think that argument has been made now. Oh boy. And that includes things like, first, when you grind spices and bread for any sauces or soups, you have to grind the spices first and then remove them from the mortar. For as you grind the bread, it will gather up any spices remaining. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> you have to, don't you, yeah. what, your, your, your husband didn't need to tell you that when you go in <laughs> You do things in an order that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's just, that's just cooking. Yeah. Oh or God. also things like note that any soup, which is on the fire will boil up and over onto the said fire until you add salt and grease to the pot. And then it won't. Wait, wait, fire makes things hot. No, I'm so glad Boy, I'm, I'm told so this. so happy I'm married. <laughs> Otherwise I would be eating cold soup. Right. Or also before your soup sticks and so it won't stick, stir the bottom of the pot often, getting your spoon down to the depths so the soup doesn't lump there. And note that as soon as you see your soup is sticking, don't stir it. Just take it off the fire and put it in another pot. Okay. (laughs) Calm down, sir. This is not (laughs) rocket science. So yeah. So as I said, I think it is very much a late medieval tradition that men like to mansplain basics of cooking and food to women, despite the fact that they also expect them to do most of the cooking. But they could, men could do it better, but they don't have time because they have to do man things. Yeah. Yeah. Important man things. (laughs) Oh boy. So yeah. So that is my thoughts on medieval food. In the context I of this film. loved hearing about that. I just took a culinary journey of the mind. Yeah. <laughs> and you could you could try some of these recipes or not. Oh, I probably won't, but I appreciate <laughs> your offer. I have a, I had a student actually who uh for a project like made medieval food and uh and like it was it was during a covid semester but he like did a whole video about like making and like cooking the food and trying the different dishes. Fun. Some of them were okay and some of them were not. Sure according to his uh, opinion. Yeah, that's to be expected, I think. Yeah. So for the next segment is the Fabula Nostra, where we talk about a film or other piece of media inspired by this one. So what I want to do is I want to remake this movie. And first of all, I want to give people personalities. But the other mm-hmm. thing I want to do is that I want to gender swap just Calvin's character and then mm. have it be a queer romance. Oh, that would be much better. Right. I like that a lot. Yeah. And her name could be Kelly. Yeah. The princesses, I'm totally changing their names because Katie and Sarah are ridiculous. Of course, that's but... absolute insanity. What is the what's his character's name in this? I genuinely oh Calvin. We just said Calvin. That. Yeah. Stupid. And Calvin so was it, Kelly. Would would that have been a um recognized name? Um no, it certainly wouldn't have been like common. Okay. But... But... Nobody would have been like, your name is what? I think at least like, I don't know, as things go, I can at least see like the sound not being that weird. I guess I would say like, hmm, I, I'm not sure. It's not something I've actually seen as a first name, but it is something that like would eventually be a last name. Oh, oh, that makes sense. So, okay. yeah. I love that idea. I think I would stick to my idea that I had earlier that I want a like a mini series about Sarah becoming the Black Knight. Yeah, that sounds awesome. That sounds incredible. I would 100% watch that. With her basement fight club. (laughs) With her 
basement horse fight club jeff's club that's the name of the movie yes jeff's club jeff's club so good i wouldn't be so excited to watch that (laughs) so we can now rate this film a scale of one to five based on ever purely subjective criteria (laughs) quality historical accuracy misogyny we see fit yeah okay i'm gonna say a three and I think I would rate it lower if I didn't have some affection for it or like I didn't know for a fact that I loved it as a kid. Mm-hmm. So clearly, like for the correct audience, this is a lovely movie. Unfortunately, it is not the kind of movie that <laughs> A holds up past the 90s or for adults. Yeah, is entertaining <laughs> at all for grown-ups, which I guess is probably a more new thing. That they try yeah. to make sure parents don't want to <laughs> like throw their kids out windows every time they want to watch Coco Melon or whatever. But yeah, no, it was fine. It was b- boring, unfortunately. That was like my yeah. main. That's why I kept drifting off because like nothing interesting was happening, and there was no like. I feel like this would have been improved by like more Arthurian shit in it, right? Like, that I feel like they could have done more. To. It or was, at least, like, I don't understand why they didn't even, like, have the villain be, like... Like, why wasn't the villain, like, Mordred? Or, like, nobody mentioned, like, Lancelot. They, like, we did... We saw the round table. Eventually. it. Like, we kind of saw yeah. Merlin. It truly had nothing... It obviously was just the title that they had, and they had to make it King Arthur. But they had no interest in, like, tying that in. It was just sort of a cross they had to bear. I mean, I wonder if how much of it is like that they kind of looked at it and they're like, nope, not appropriate for children. Nope, not appropriate mm. for children. That they're like, well, we could have the villain to be Mordred. And then they're like, ooh, how do we explain That's the incest? And then they're like, oh, we could have Lancelot. And then they're like, oh, does that mean we're going to talk about the adulterous affair? That's a like major part of that plot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they just were not. Yeah, you're right, though. Those are complicated things and hard to gloss over. I mean, so you just have none of them. Yeah. Yeah. So just nothing. <laughs> his name is his name is Arthur. End of story. Yeah. And he's fighting that famed Arthurian villain, Belasco. Uh-huh. You know. <laughs> classic Belasco. Yeah. Arthur V. Belasco. A story I feel of like the they could have at least gone with like the name Mordred, even if they didn't explain anything. Truly, they could have given us or like named the daughters something even in the neighborhood of like being inspired by one of the knights of the round table, you know? Right. Or like Isolde. Mm, Isolde is like Isolde is uh, Tristan and Isolde are like Arthuriana extended canon. Yeah. Too bad. Yeah. Next time. Yep. (laughs) I'm Okay, so I'm actually also going to give it a three, which is in part that I'm giving this movie, I'm sure, way more credit than it deserves for having women who don't do literally nothing. Yeah. Which Um, comes out of me in this podcast and the amount of fury that I have at most of the movies that I've covered on these specific grounds. Yeah, listen, the women had names. They talked they didn't to die. each other. Neither of them died. They did do my favorite uh, trope of any sort of medieval type movie is the only time women can talk together is when they're brushing each other's hair. And also talking about love and men. Oh, that's the only thing they were <laughs> Obviously. talking about. Obviously. What do you, yeah, what do you talk? Yeah, of course. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and also, oh, and of course, uh, the mother obviously is dead because God forbid we have a woman like over 40 in this movie. Oh, of course. Or in fact, we have a woman over 20, in fact. Honestly, if the mother had been there, it would not have materially changed the plot. There was no. like, the fact that he was a widower was not important. It's kind of like that's the explanation for why he's sad and useless now. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll give you that one. Point Disney. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so there is at least an, like there is at least a a plot reason that they would have had to like find another explanation for mm-hmm. if she hadn't been dead. But like I don't know, they could have had like a rocky marriage, right? Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it may it maybe would have given us some like texture. <laughs> Yeah, like maybe that's it. Maybe he's like not doing anything because like he and his wife aren't getting along. And right, like, right. or you know what? People had depression in the ninth century or yeah. whatever. Like it was yeah. a thing. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, you know, so it certainly is like definitely not perfect in that regard. Like I find it really annoying that like they kind of don't really have personalities, and right. like Katie turning into a damsel is really annoying. But as I said, the fact that there are like two named surviving women who actually have a significant impact on the plot. And weren't sexually assaulted. No, they're not sexually assaulted. We just have like a, we have a kind of like icky almost kiss with Velasco, but like, yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, that's not great, but it's not full on rape. No, no. Like, he he seems very much like he's like, I'm waiting for you to agree to marry me. I mean, you know, he's doing it under the duress of saying, I'm going to kill your sister. Mm -hmm. But But he is insisting on obtaining consent. You know what? I guess. Good for him? Maybe. I don't like that at all. I'm not sure that we should encourage that. I don't feel good about that. I don't feel good about where we land. But, you know, but, you know, we... You know, maybe because it's a children's movie, but we don't have sexually assaulted. We also didn't even have the like scene where it like we don't even quite have a scene where it's like this would be a sexual assault scene if it wasn't a kids movie, which like there are absolutely those scenes in some yes. kids movies. Yes, 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 yes. So given that, I feel like I'm gonna like give it a three in part as credit for that. And actually, just because essentially while I don't exactly think this movie was good. And I don't think this movie did a particularly good job of depicting the Middle Ages. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give it points because it gave me a lot of fun things to look up, like learning about the preparation of Goat's Head. Mm -hmm. And now you know that forever. They don't have to give me an opportunity. Yeah. (laughs) Now I forever have known about this dish with Goat's Head, Awful, and Testes. Yep. So. The big three. You know. Yeah. For my next dinner party. (laughs) So just go thank you so much for guesting on this podcast. I love coming on this podcast. I appreciate you inviting me back. I have so much fun every time and I always learn a ton and uh, thank you for having me. I'm delighted to have you anytime. And if the listeners want to hear more of you, where else can they find you on the internet? I am on the Friendly Atheist podcast with my co-host Hemant Mehta. We are a uh, current events podcast talking about uh, things that are going on through the lens of atheism, secularism, skepticism, feminism, etc. And you can find me on Twitter at Jess Blumke, J-E-S-S-B-L-U-E-M-K-E. All right. Well, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in your preferred podcatcher app. Please rate and review Media Evil. I'll read new five-star reviews in future episodes. 
Please also follow the podcast on Twitter at Media Evil Pod and join our Facebook group. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sarah F. Decker. If you have any questions or suggestions, I'd love to hear from you via email at media.evilpod at gmail.com. So Jessica, thank you again. My pleasure. And thank you all so much for listening to Media Evil. Bye. Bye. History's getting a new hero. How does a boy know so much? Metal shot. It's great. And he's giving everyone the royal treatment. A kid in King Arthur's court. Just put it in your mouth and chill. What do they call this bad dog bubblegum? I have no idea, your highness. 